What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 134 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am coming off a frozen frenzy. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and he looks like he's ready to get ready for basketball season. Milwaukee Bucks, god damn. Frank, how you doing? NBA season kicked off yesterday. Two good games. Um, I think the Bucks play tonight. I'm not 100 percent sure. I know the Bulls do. The Bulls do. I'm ready for the NBA season. Absolutely. Who do Who do you like? Really quick, right off the bat, who do you like to win it all? Yeah. Uh the Bucks maybe. I don't know. It's Bucks tough. play tomorrow against the 76ers. Okay. Yeah, I don't know the schedule, but I don't know. I I got to get a feel. I don't have a feel yet. I don't know what happened in the off season too much besides Damian Lillard going to the Bucks, but I don't know. What happened with too many other teams? Hell yeah. I hope the Bulls make the playoffs. I hope they're like watchable and like they're fun. It's possible. I think it's possible that that's possible. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying they're going to pull a Miami Heat or anything like that, but you know, it's possible. And Jokic versus Giannis in the finals again would be sweet. It would be. It would be sweet. Absolutely. Yesterday, I know Jokic and the Nugs got a, which is by far my least favorite team name in all sports. I know I've said it on this show a million the times. Nuggets? The freaking Denver Chicken Nuggets. Why? What the, the Denver Chicken McNuggets. Yeah, why Look, not? That's crazy. Um, not a guy? No, I'm not. A, I like, they're, they're fine. They're a cool team. I'm not, I'm not going to hate them because their name stinks. Like, wow. it's just a dumbass name. Sorry. Oh. It'd be like freaking the cheeseburgers. Like that'd be actually cooler. But they don't. They mean nuggets like a gold nugget. I know. I know. There's when no you, cheeseburger form of currency. W- when you think of like money, though, like that's just outdated. Forty niners makes no sense. The forty niners is cool. like gold mining and it's, stuff like that. It's like U.S. history. It's cool. And nuggets isn't gold no. nuggets. No. What do you mean? Dumb. What do you mean it's not it's part of stupid. history? The Denver Nuggets. Like, you have the Colorado Avalanche and the Denver Broncos. Those are sick. And here come the Denver Nuggets. They're the best of them all right now. No, actually, I don't well, know. They're the champs. So they're the champs. They're the champs. There's no doubt. Actually, if freaking Russell Wilson would have worked out, Colorado would have had, like, the yeah, best. They, they would have had the best, like, sports scene right now, I think. Yeah. But, you know, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos being a disaster show. Except the Rockies. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the Rockies. They're worse than the Broncos, maybe. Yeah. At least the Broncos are entertaining. They have Russell Wilson and good players on defense. The Rockies. There's better cities out there who are yeah. good for. Yeah. Oh, uh, Philly. Uh, yeah. Even the Flyers are off to a good start. They're the worst team of the bunch. But they're. I think they have a bright future and they're fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be Boston, and it was Pittsburgh for a long time. Um, <laughs> Pittsburgh's get if the Pirates could figure it out, Pittsburgh's up there. Yeah, the Steelers are good, and so are freaking uh, the Penguins. Well, not after the best start, though. You might be right on that one. We'll see. Um, Frank, speaking of that, what a day yesterday! The NHL frozen frenzy. Yeah, I think it's time we discuss the NHL frozen frenzy in period number one. Welcome to period one. So excited to be here with you all today. Frank, every time we get to the next show, it feels like we just got off our last one. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you're slowly but surely helping me blow my life away so fast. Like you're, I mean, just, yeah. you're just 
helping me delete weeks of my life because this show is so fun. That's how life goes. Hell yeah. That's how it works. Hell yeah. Um, Frank, first of all, the NHL Frozen Frenzy yesterday, 16 games, 32 teams, staggered starts 15 minutes apart, starting at 5 o'clock. It was a hockey fan's dream. Mm-hmm. It was freaking awesome. But I'm asking you, did you like it? I liked it. I liked the idea of it. The only problem is it's impossible to watch every single game, you know, but I like the idea that you could throw on any team in the NHL and basically throw them on the TV whenever you want. I mean, I like that concept. You just, you can't watch them all. It's like football Sunday when there's 10 games on at once. You can't watch every football game unless you have red zone. Well, there's no equivalent of red zone. There was yesterday. What was that? Oh, did you not know? No, I I should have informed you. Uh, On ESPN, there was Frozen Frenzy. It was. They go to like games. See, I didn't know that. It was Bucci and Kevin Weeks imitating Scott Hansen. And they flipped around whoever was going on a power play. Oh, that's cool. Looked like they had some offensive zone pressure cooking. They flipped to that. that game. Yeah. And there was always only like four or five games going at one moment. Yeah, but from yeah, from five to midnight, these guys were just not peeing and not eating and watching hockey. Do you know this was the second time that all thirty-two teams played on the same day? Yes, but the first on a weeknight, and the first where every game started at a different time, right. which ESPN requested so that they can host this Frozen Frenzy show. Right. I hope they do it again. There's one more game this year, January eighth. I want to say they all it's, play. They, all 32 teams play. I hope the ESPN does like an all-day thing, which would be really cool. If they started at like 3 in the afternoon and rolled until midnight Eastern or midnight. They Central. made chicken parm too. They made chicken parm too. Yeah. Yep. Kevin Weeks and Bucci It must Frank. have been on ESPN too because ESPN had the Hawks game on. Yes, it was on ESPN 2 and plus. Frank, okay. you gotta start. I told Joey to turn on my Twitter notifications yesterday. Hey, my you focus ought to start. was on the Hawks. Really, you ought to turn on my Twitter notifications. I gotta be honest. I didn't care about anything except the Hawks yesterday. So. Well, it was it was sick. There's you know, by no the time doubt. the Hawks were over, it was like Vegas and Philly. That was it. Vegas and Philly. We're gonna get to this in a little minute. That was probably my favorite game. Yeah, it's out of them all. Yeah, yeah, like it was sick. Um, but Frank, all right, let's get right into it. What was your favorite game after looking at them all and studying them all? Besides the one that your favorite team played, in which you probably wouldn't even choose as your favorite game anyway, based on the result. Uh, I have Colorado versus the Islanders or Philadelphia and Vegas. Colorado and the Islanders, great game because it alternated 1-0, 1-1, 2-1, 2-2, all the way till it got to 4-4. And each team had the lead at one point. And it was like all it was like that all the way until the third period. Um, you had no idea really who was gonna win the game until Colorado ended up taking the lead and a hold of the game. I don't know when, but some point like halfway through the third period. But it was really up and down. It was very entertaining between like two decent teams. Colorado's better than the Islanders, obviously, but it was a really entertaining game. And then Philadelphia and Vegas, that was interesting because the Knights, 6-0-0 streak was on the line. They have the best record to start a season as the reigning Stanley Cup champions. And their streak was on the line at home to the Philadelphia Flyers. Flyers put them on the brink of ending their undefeated uh, season, and the Knights ended up tying it in the third and then took the lead with a little over 30 seconds to go in the third. And with the way both teams are playing, it was a very entertaining entertaining game. So there were some really nice games on the schedule. It was very entertaining. It was very entertaining. I would go with the game between 
the Philadelphia Flyers and the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, we both said, I said, I don't remember exactly where you stood, but I remember saying the Flyers were the second worst team in the league on paper. And I still kind of do think that, but oh, fast start for the Flyers. This Bobby Orr Brink playing with uh, Joel Farabee, mm-hmm. unreal, unreal combo. Mm-hmm. Um, Connect me, really good player. Maybe the Flyers extend him instead of trading him. Like maybe that's an option. It's a possibility. Um, You know, I think what they're building is really good. Obviously, they have Matt Vaymichkov. Fermenting or whatever the word is, marinating, (laughs) fermenting. fermenting He like combined both. (laughs) Yeah, he's getting going in the KHL. He's going to be a superstar in the NHL. I think I really do. Um, Everywhere he goes, the dude just puts up five points a game. Mm -hmm. The Flyers are going to be damn good in no time, and they gave the Golden Knights, the team you mentioned, best start to a season in NHL history for the defending Stanley Cup champions. And here they go again, this Vegas team. They're just so sick. And then here they're good. Here comes these flyers. Nobody's talking about them. Nobody's thinking about them. I'm talking about them. I'm thinking about them. I've already written four flyers articles since the season started. That's probably my most of any team not called the Devils or Blackhawks. I might have written four about the Bruins too since the season started. It is unreal how much I enjoy watching this team play. And they're going to be a wagon for a long time. So, yeah, that was my favorite game yesterday. I didn't watch much of Frozen Frenzy because I was at the game between the Boston Bruins and the Chicago Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. I caught it a little bit on the way there and then a little bit on the way home. And, man, what a, Entertaining. what a time. Frank, who are your three stars of the night? Number three goes to Jack Hughes. Four assist night against the Montreal Can- Canadiens. Very impressive night from Jack Hughes, who had four, who has 14 points of the Devils' first five games. Put on a show yesterday. Deserves the third star. Second star is Jonas Johansson. He was able to shut out the Carolina Hurricanes 3 to nothing. a 32-save shutout, a game where you're being outplayed offensively, you were under fire the entire night, and you shut out a top-tier team in the NHL. Not to mention, you shut down the Hurricanes' power play on five different occasions. It's not his first career shutout, but it was a very impressive one nonetheless. So I thought he was deserving of the number two. And the number one star of the week, I think, is undoubtedly he gets the number one star of the night. Uh, this It's Ryan Hartman. He had a hat trick, two assists, five-point night um, for Ryan Hartman. Got it done. The Wild got it done uh, against the Edmonton Oilers. It was a solid performance for Hartman. One of his best, if not the best performance of his entire career. Uh, it's very hard to get have a five-point night, and especially having an, a hat trick as part of that. So those are my three stars a week. Absolutely. We have the same three people so, in a different order. I put Johansson third. I put Jack Hughes second, and I put Ryan Hartman first. Um, I wrote an article for Puck Pros about how Jack Hughes was the number one star of the night and just completely ignored the fact that Ryan Hartman had three goals and two assists. <laughs> I mean, you can argue – that like what Hughes did is equally as impressive, like four primary assists. He's got 14 points in five games. Like, like, you know, you can argue it. So I don't think I'm a complete fool, but when I'm listing out the three stars here on bar down talking hockey, I think I would just kind of seem foolish, like talking it out, like to put Jack Hughes above. I want to, but he didn't (laughs) score. He had four assists and you know, he had four primary assists. I, I don't think he has a secondary. He might have one secondary assist. Really? Which means he has 13 primary points, which 
probably leads the league because he's tied for the league league in points in general. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, primary points are goals and then primary assists. And I'm pretty sure Jack Hughes is like up there. But yeah, I mean, what an outstanding performance for him. They needed to see Heischer get on the board, although Heischer wasn't playing bad. It's not like he was missing chances. You know, mm-hmm. he, he just had a little bit of bad luck in terms of like puck luck. It wasn't going in the net. Well, now it's in the net. Floodgates open, I'm sure. By the end of the season, I still believe Heischer will be either second or third leading scorer. Um, it'll be between him and Brat. You know, Brat will slow down. He'll get hot. He'll slow down. Heischer will just stay consistently good as a two-way player all year long. Sometimes those guys end up pulling out ahead. Then the guys who get hot then go two games without scoring, get hot, go three games without scoring. Like, he sure won't. That, that'll be the biggest lull of the entire season for him. I, I hear think. you mean. Yeah. And... You know, it was to start the season. He got a little hurt in one of the games. Like, whatever. Jack Hughes makes a sick pass and sets him up. And then freaking the plays he made to set up to Foley's hat trick, who you can argue as a star of the night, too. He was up there. He was he up for consideration. Having a hat trick? I mean, man, what a player he is. But I think out of the two, Jack Hughes gets the nod because sometimes, sometimes it's just so obvious that the goals don't go without the pass. And it was like that a little bit with – some of these Hughes plays, I contemplated mentioning Austin Matthews because although he didn't have as many points, I thought the work he did to, um, you know, help out his team defensively against the Washington Capitals mm-hmm. and, you know, contributing two points, a goal and an assist. He's now got seven goals on the season. Um, I think that's up for consideration. And then you're going to think I'm crazy about this. Joseph Wall popped into my mind, the Toronto Maple Leafs goaltender. He gave up one goal. He didn't get a shutout like Mr. Johansson here or like Mr. Swayman in Boston. But in Swayman in Boston, that'll probably be one of the easier shutouts he's had in his NHL career. Like Uh the pressure wasn't on like some of these wild plays that were made. Um, Or not wild, excuse me, lightning. Um, uh, That game's actually on right now. Uh, it's on replay? NHL Network, a replay. Yeah, really. Sixteen minutes left in the it's third. Funny. Yeah, um, got that on because I'm waiting for the highlight show though, yeah. to come on right after, so I can have it on. Um, but I was going to mention Wall because he gave up the goal to Ovechkin. Ovechkin had 13 shots. If one player is <laughs> getting 13 shots on goal and you only allow one past you, credit to you, Joseph. Well, I know you like to shit on Ovechkin, and you're ready to come in here laughing. Yesterday was proof that Ovechkin is still like an S tier shooter. Uh, the, they'll probably come down a little bit in terms of the amount that go in, but his shooting ain't slowing down, and that's why he'll get twenty in his sleep just because of the volume of four shots. By Christmas. He, he four by Christmas, yeah, Christmas last year. Um, he even if he has a career low shooting percentage, like. I'm pretty sure Ovechkin is like a 12, 13% shooter. Let's say he has a career low shooting percentage of nine or eight. He still scores 20 by accident because of the amount of shots he puts on goals. You know, credit to him for getting on the board. Finally, I'm sure the floodgates will open now, but you know, wall, the fact that one player, all those shots, and it's like an all time great player. He deserved a nomination uh, mention as well. But I think we nailed the top three, though. I think Absolutely. most people would agree. The 100%. Top um, Frank, who had the best team performance? Honestly, I thought it was the Boston Bruins. They never took their foot off the gas. They had 43 shots on goal. They were able to shut down everything the Blackhawks threw their way. you know. And they're getting a lot out of their rookies this season. Matt Poitra, 
has been great. Scored a goal last night. Bruins are only averaging, giving up a little over one goal a game. They've only given up seven goals through six games. They're clearly the best. They were clearly the best team last night out of all 32 teams. I thought, um, but however, I also thought like the Maple Leafs and the Lightning were a close second, though, in my opinion. Um, I agree. The Maple Leafs, they really took care of their business. I thought it was awesome to see. Um, pretty excited about, you know, the way Matthews and Nylander and Marner, they're all going. But I agree with you. It was the Boston Bruins. Now, I don't think I don't think it was as dominant of a performance as what Colorado did to them a couple nights ago. I mean, Colorado, man. They they use their speed, their skill. Mm-hmm. Like it, it looked like they were in another league. The Bruins did it. The reason they get it for me is because of how they did it. They can't be the Avalanche. They don't have Makar, who also could have been a nominee yesterday for sorry. Like he had a goal and an assist 13 minutes into the good. game. You know, I you can argue he's the guy you draft number one in like an a redo of the entire league. Like mm-hmm. it'd be, be close between him and McDavid. I would say, I would guess at least 10 GMs would take him over McDavid. You think so? I think it would be like 20 to 10 in favor of McDavid. I think that many people would think possibly about taking McCarr. Um, But I mean, the, the Bruins, they're not going to outscore you six to zero this year. They don't have premier centermen setting up plays the way Bergeron and Krejci did. Right. But they still have Marshan and Pasternak and guys like Zaka can get on the score sheet. Uh, Coyle, Matthew Poitra, outstanding. There's no way he goes back to junior, right? That would almost be as dumb as the Hawks sending Bedard back to Regina. <laughs> I mean, that would almost be as dumb as that. I honestly believe <laughs> so. This one Bruins guy commented on my tweet last night. Poitras actually looked better than Bedard to start the season. I'm He's like, okay, good. fucking chill. He, he looked good. He looked good. He does not look like Bedard. He has better players around him, which is why he has one more goal. Um, and I, that goal scored by Bedard, Frank. It was that beautiful. should have counted. I don't agree with blowing plays offsides that don't impact. We had this discussion last year. They were year. talking about that yesterday, too. They to that should the not do that. You are the NHL. You've been putting Connor Bedard in all of our faces. I'm sure Connor Bedard's mom is tired of hearing about Connor Bedard. <laughs> Probably. But he is so amazing that he deserves it. I truly believe that. And the goal he scored coming 40 seconds after the play was a millimeter off. There, it was passed around the offensive zone four times. The goalie made two saves. In between the buck going off sides and the goal being scored, it just made there was possession switched in the offensive zone. The the Bruins got it back, and I think it was Dickinson or Perry beat him to the wall and took it away and pull, forced it to the front where Bedard slapped it. I mean, it was not impacted. If the goal is scored off the rush three seconds after, or if you have Matt Duchesne four yardsticks off sides leading to a game winning goal, I like that. That's what ultimately got the rule changed. The playoff game a couple years mm-hmm. ago, you might remember, I remember when that. Matt Duchesne was like a hundred yards off sides and there was a good goal and someone lost because of it. I forget the exact situation i want to say it involved the blues but i it's just it's so dumb for me to like think that that goal was waved off for that reason there's got to be some kind of like clock threshold where like if you miss it and enough time passes 
and it had no impact on the goal. Like, let's start using our brains here to determine some of these goals. It doesn't always have to be so black and white. Like, we can use our freaking brains to clearly decide that that goal should have counted by Connor Bedard. The league's blowing off goals that make themselves look better. Now that goal will never be seen ever again. It wouldn't shock me if that celebration made its way into a couple highlight packages because he was imitating Patrick Kane. I thought that was really cool. But, I mean, damn, what a monstrosity for that to be waved off. And the Bruins benefited. How do you change it, though? You can't. I think it's easy. Unless it's like, go for it. If the goalie makes at least one save since the offside, you can not blow it off. If possession changes and then possession goes back, the offside shouldn't be waving it off. And if 15 or 20 seconds go by between the offside and the goal, blow it off. Don't blow it off. I think there's a handful of little descriptions you can write. According to rule 69.1, the three the three saves that the goalie made in between the offsides and the goal being scored made it clear that it had no bearing on the goal whatsoever. Connor Bedard's sick goal in Sully gets to count and we get to watch it for the rest of time. Nope. Andreas Athanasiu dangling at the blue line. 40 seconds before the goal was scored and two saves were made by Swayman and Dickinson had to win a board battle in the corner to even force the puck to Bedard. It is disgusting that that was waved off. And I went to the game in a Bruins jersey. I was wearing this hat because podcast before all. But I don't really care who wins. I The Bruins, Joey, brother, okay, go Bruins. I, I like the Hawks. If it's not the Devils, you could talk me into rooting for whoever. Uh, that goal should have counted. I hate this rule. We have to figure out a way to make it better. It's you were almost the at a, a game where Bedard scored. I know. I know. At least I got to see him with my own two eyes. Everything is a bit as advertised. I don't care if he doesn't score again for the rest of the season because his line mates stink. Both of his goals were assisted by Hall. That counted. Um, without Hall, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle for him. You know, you still need yeah. help in the NHL. But he could drive a line. Oh, he, he shows great. safety. He looks great. He shows safety. He passes the eye test. He passes the advanced statistics test. I mean, everybody's saying Bedard has been really good. That's why Matthew Poitra, good player. If the draft were redone, he probably doesn't fall to the second round. There are probably some teams that were drafting in the 20s. They're kicking themselves. And I'm like, don't say he's been better than Bedard, though. Like, nobody's been better than Bedard. If Fantilli scored again, we'll get to that in a minute, too. I mean, Great stuff from all these rookies. I love it. But Bedard is the real deal. They're actually talking about changing the rule on the broadcast that it needs to be changed. And yeah. it's kind of funny hearing it from, like, you know, people who have a pool, I would say. Like, if these guys like Bucci and other broadcasters start saying it needs to be changed, I feel like the NHL would do something about it. Yeah. Well, I like to think people read my fan-sided articles, and they're going to freaking hear about it from me. I'm did sick you, and tired of this shit. About that? Did you say that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My Hawks recap <laughs> that went up this morning was absolutely I, – I'm pretty sure I included that in there. It is bullshit. I mean, dude, there are plenty of ways to not blow it off. Again, you can review for offsides. I'm cool. Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are on the power play, and they get a two-on-one. And Gino's foot is clearly over offsides, and Sid snipes 
right then and there. Play is reviewed for waved off for offsides, no goal. No problem with that whatsoever. Um, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are a toe hair offsides. They throw the puck on net, and Darcy Kemper makes the save, and Ovechkin tries to clear, but Latang keeps it in, passes it to Carlson. He shoots, save made by Kemper. Sidney Crosby rebound in the corner. He's beaten to the puck by John Carlson. John Carlson tries to clear. Evgeny Malkin keeps it in, shoots, and scores. This is 45 seconds later. The play was reviewed, and it was called off for offsides. Are you kidding me? That's a joke. That is a joke. And I even said it to Joey, who, like, cares more about the Bruins than his own financial well-being or, you know, health. And he said that's bullshit. He, I'm like, if this were the Bruins, you would be upset if that kind of goal was waved off. The NHL needs to figure it out, man. This is a beautiful league, a beautiful game. The most beautiful play is a goal. I feel like they won't, though. Probably not. Eh, but maybe, though. Enough people bitched about offside in general. It needs to be reviewed in certain situations. Otherwise, you could just cheat all day long and hope the ref don't see it. Yeah, I but know. I'm pro offense, too. I I just don't think you could tweak it as many ways as we're hoping. Like, Maybe you they tweak it like after 30 it. seconds, if there's no goal, then it's over. I don't think there'll be like so many rules will be like 30 seconds or if it changes possession or... If they make a save, like you're right. I think if they tweak it, it's just going to be one thing. If the amount of time was lowered, like 30 seconds is a lot. If it were like 10 or 15, I'd be cool with that. Like, give me that at minimum. If you don't want to do the other things I suggested, fine. But like, oh, or we get Bucci back on, we're going to talk to him about it. Or is there a way to have the coach or the coach, whoever's looking at the video? Like, obviously, it's not going to be the head coach if the play's going on, but if you have somebody, like, alert and, like, stop the game mid-play and say, wait, wait, we want a challenge for all sides while it's going. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be tough. I know they blow the horn in Toronto when, like, a goal is scored and they call it no goal and to avoid injury or anything like that, they blow the horn. But, I mean. If something's, like, close, do you think, like, they could do that and review it and be like, let's blow the horn before anything? I guess, yeah. But then they would stop, and then what if they're wrong? And then you stop the play for no reason. And the other team just lost all their momentum that they had. That's, that's like, where that issue comes in. But it's never going to be perfect. No. It's never going to be a perfect science. Uh-uh. But there's a way to keep what happened yesterday from happening. I do believe that. I hear you. Um, and then, Frank, who had the worst team performance? I have two teams here. Honestly, I think the Hawks' performance was pretty subpar. For most of the game, they looked great. They were in it. You know, we thought they scored a power play goal, but then it's like things got too fancy. Um, They were – I noticed they tried to look for the pretty pass too often, and I know that was mentioned during intermission. Luke Richardson and the rest of the coaching crew told him, you know, just shoot the puck. When you get the puck to the net, good things will happen. I think too often when you're playing elite teams, you're overthinking and you try to think like, oh, what is it going to take to beat these types of teams? You know, and you get too fancy and you don't want to you don't want to stray away from your game too often, no matter who you play. Sure, you're going to tweak things here and there based on the opposing team's playing style and their playing strategy. But your overall game plan needs to say that stay the same. And, you know. That really didn't happen yesterday. It's like they kind of panicked when they got down 1-0 and they held it in there. And then they just, 
I didn't like the fancy passes that they were trying to make. Sometimes the simpler, the better. The other team I thought that looked really bad was the Washington Capitals. Sure, they had 30-something shots on that, and they were you know, getting a lot of pucks in that. But the Leafs were able to score four goals on 17 shots. Darcy Kemper looked terrible. The Capitals didn't even look to be phased to be playing. If it wasn't for Ovechkin finally getting his first goal of the season, they would have been shut out. I mean, this team just doesn't appear like they want to be there. And they're going to, I think when it's all said and done, they might be down there with some of the worst teams in the league. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to watch Macklin Celebrini set up um, Alexander Ovechkin. That's a possibility. Gretzky breaking goal. They're a lot worse than people predicted. No, they're bad. They're pretty bad. And they didn't play well yesterday. I had a feeling you were going to mention them. I'm also in the Hawks, too. Uh, They were on my list. But I'm going to give a nod to the St. Louis Blues, too. 20 shots on goal and they lost four to two. I mean, Hellebuck gave up two goals. Like that's a little surprising. Um, and they, the Jets needed to score two goals in 18 seconds in order to get the win. But like, you know, I didn't think the blues played all that well. I don't think they're all that good of a team and, you know, we'll see how it goes throughout the season. But like, yeah, the blues are two, two and one. They're just kind of like, eh. Um, and I don't think they played all that well yesterday. So they're up there for the worst performance for me as well. I'm glad we agree. We agree on a lot today. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of pissed about it. I kind of want to fight you. <laughs> um, Frank, Adam Fantilli played against the team that passed on him with the second overall pick. And I'm sure Adam Fantilli's not happy to be the second overall pick even. Like, he he's a competitive guy. I don't think it's wrong for him in his brain to want to be better than Bedard. I don't necessarily think it's possible because I'm not sure he has quite the shiftiness or – the ability, I mean, Fantilli's got a great shot. What makes Bedard's shot even greater is the fact that he has the great shot on top of being able to change the angle of it on a goalie, which mm-hmm. is exactly what he did to Aiden Hill mm-hmm. in the game. That's his, the only goal he scored. Like, the other one was a slap shot that Swayman wasn't expecting that beat him. I, I know it didn't count, but that was a slap shot Swayman wasn't expecting him to get off that quickly. So he didn't really change the angle on it. And then the first one was a wraparound, but the one he scored against Aiden Hill was exactly the type of goal that, um, is highly touted. I guess you could say like when he was being drafted and people said 700 goal scoring wagon, it was because of that kind of shot. Fantilli doesn't have that, but he's got a good shot. The ducks passed on him though. They didn't take him. They took Leo Carlson, who's been amazing also. You know, he's been really good too. If all three of these guys made it to the Hall of Fame one day, I would not be surprised. Or if they were all Hall of Very Good at minimum. Mm -hmm. And, But it looked like Adam Fantilli had a little extra jump out there against the Anaheim Ducks yesterday. He scored a goal and had an assist. Um, This was a game where Leo Carlson didn't get a point, which not every rookie is going to get a point every single day, you know. Bedard doesn't have a point in the last two games or two of the last three games. So like, you know, stuff like that happens, but um, he just looks like a dog out there and he's really enjoying playing against the ducks who said, no, nah, no, thank you. When he was available to draft, what's your takeaway on Fantilli that game against the ducks and his start to the season. Very strong showing by Fantilli going and assist against the team. He thought he would most likely be playing for and, no one's going to tell me otherwise. Like, in his mind, when the Ducks didn't announce his name, he, he had to be stunned. I would have been stunned, to be honest. But guys tend to play harder in these types of games. When I was watching Monday Night Football this past week between the 49ers and the Vikings, there was a player on the Vikings who I don't remember who it was, um, but they said 
that the 49ers ended up cutting him and he saves a list of every team that's traded him or cut him on his phone. And he couldn't wait to get his hands on playing against them that game. And one of the reporters asked him, like, how often do you look at that list? He says, oh, yeah, all the times. Couldn't wait to play against the 49ers to get my hands in it. And he had a great game. I mean, those types of situations fuel athletes. And the same could be said about Fantilli. He had that extra drive in him. He wanted to beat the Ducks. Ducks ended up getting the best of the Blue Jackets yesterday, but he had the fire in his eyes. And that happens all the time in sports, not just hockey. Absolutely. I agree. I, I hope Fantilli keeps it going. I, I'm rooting for him. Um, I've watched a lot of the Blue Jackets so far. They're kind of becoming a team I'm I'm not gonna say I'm falling in love with, but you know, last mm. year last year I like had a couple teams that aren't that I'm not a fan of necessarily like they're not the devils for me, but I right. fell in love with watching them. The Blue Jackets are becoming one of those teams right now for me. So we'll see if that continues. Um Frank, shout out our good friend, former podcast guest, John Bucci-Gross, for hosting the Frozen Frenzy yesterday. I heard a lot of good work went into it and, you know, kind of being the Scott Hansen of Red Zone, flipping around from every game, watching them all. And I hope we get something like that again. I think Bucci's outstanding for the sport because he was into hockey long before uh, ESPN got their, you know, their nails back in it again Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. they they kind of were away from the league for a long time because they didn't have any broadcasting rights why would a league why would a company that spends no money on a league promote it as much as they do college football who they pay billions for or the nfl who they pay billions for or major league baseball who they play billions for nba all four of those leagues were broadcasted on ESPN, and the NHL wasn't. They had an exclusive partnership with NBC Sports in the United States. And now the ESPN added hockey. They have the other, all of the rest of them now too. They're kind of, they're not monopolizing it because there's still basketball and hockey on TNT. NBC still has coverage. Mm -hmm. Fox has the NFL and MLB still. CBS has MLB, um, or not MLB, NFL. Like it's spread around, but ESPN has a portion of every league now. And Bucci Gross was there from the beginning. Did did you see he played? You know, Bucci Overtime Challenge. Mm-hmm. He played Frozen Frenzy Challenge yesterday. It was called Frozen Bucci. Mm-hmm. You had to guess who scored the first goal in the first game and the last goal in the last game. And I don't think anybody got it right. I don't remember seeing any like retweets or anything like that because it was Morgan Riley and Shea Theodore. If you guess that. I think you deserve more than a you. You get, you get a get both. Yeah, yeah. If you guess that and you get it right, um, I like you deserve more than a retweet from Bucci. <laughs> what was the prize? I don't. I don't know what the prize was. I'm gonna go was back and look standard, into it. like normal Bucci overtime hat or frozen frenzy. It pro- probably was something along those That's lines. It's tougher to do. It's way tougher to do. I guessed Ovechkin. I guessed Ovechkin in the first game. And Bobby Orr Brink in the last game. Hey, you were close. He scored. He scored. But not first. Yeah, not first. And then I'm sure there are people who are pissed. Nicholas Backstrom scored a goal in that game, and it was waved off uh, for Washington. He The yeah. Caps were up one nothing, and got waved off, and then they ended up losing the game 4-1. to one. It's tough. Um, but, yeah, the Frozen Frenzy was sweet. I really, really enjoyed it. 
Um, I hope we do this again sometime. Is there anything else from the Frozen Frenzy you kind of wanted to touch on? We kind of got to all the main storylines. Tough to not see McDavid yeah. on a day like that, but you know, hopefully he gets better. Frozen Frenzy is going to stick around for a while. It's going to be something the NHL does every year, I think. They might even do it again in January on the 8th, if that is the day where all 32 teams play again. Um, they're they're going to make a big deal about it going forward. I think this is here to stay. Me too. If, if you're a fan of it, then great. If you hated it, tough shit. Yeah, go watch somewhere else. Um, you, you don't have to participate in the Frozen Frenzy stuff if you just want to lock into your team. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer to lock into my team and be part of like a Frozen yeah, Frenzy type the a little bit. Yeah. Uh, if I were home, I probably would have – the Devils would have been on the big TV and then the Hawks would have been on one against the Bruins and then on another, another one the frozen frenzy deal. Like I honestly think like multiple screens isn't illegal. It's not that expensive. I use a computer, iPad, uh, TV, second TV. Like there are all sorts of ways to do it. Um, but yeah, that was very, very fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it was great stuff. Um, again, we'll see what happens. I, I, it was tough to not see McDavid because a lot of the first overall picks really did shine yesterday. He sure scored. Hughes had a four-point game. Lafreniere scored. Uh, the Nate Dog scored. Ovechkin scored. Matthews scored. I mean, the first overall picks were on fire yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, Connor Bedard scored. Should have counted. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm really excited for hockey, and I do think it'd be cool. Not there doesn't have to be 16 games to do like a frozen frenzy type of deal. On a Tuesday or Thursday when there's 12 games, you could still do it. You could absolutely like it could be like a Tuesday thing, a Thursday thing, and a Saturday thing. Really, I hear you really saying. wanted to do that uh, on Saturday. I'm pretty sure almost every team plays every time, and then whoever doesn't plays on Sunday. I'm pretty sure there's anywhere from like 13 to 14 games every Saturday. Um, the Devils don't play on Saturday this week, which is you know convenient for me, but we'll see what happens. Only one game tonight. Yes, I which Wednesday is always tough. Wednesday's always tough. TNT, they always have the main game, whatever they consider to be the most exciting one. They don't always get that right. But um, uh, Monday and today, you know, kind of sandwiching the frozen frenzy, I think was interesting. Each day only had one game. I'm excited for the Devils game tonight, though. Um, I'm not excited thinking about how Ovechkin does always light them up. Um, and he's starting to look like himself again. He, he was held shotless in the first two games, and it was the first time in like 10 years that he went back-to-back games without a shot. 10 years? So I might have, it was something crazy like that. Jesus. And, <laughs> I mean, dude, he's Ovechkin. He like leads the, league in, years, he leads the league in shots every year. That's insane. And then the goal. really have 13 shots yesterday? Yeah, oh yeah. That's insane. Yeah, he had 13 shots yesterday. Um, he, he's, he's coming. He's coming. Uh, again, the days of 50 or like pushing for 60, those might be over. I'm sure Father Time will start catching up with him a little bit. I'd be shocked if he plays all 82 games. But, you know, 25, 35, 40 goals. He's 71 away right now. Knock out a little less than half of that this season, then half of that the next season, and then the year after. We're talking business. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but I'm happy that he's on the board. Uh, but we'll see what the Devils can do against him. I hope he gets nothing tonight. No shots for Ovi. <laughs> Here comes um, the metric now. <laughs> uh, honestly, Frank, I will be so mad at you if that happens. <laughs> I will be so mad at you. 
all of a sudden he's right on track to like lead the league in goals again and reach 40 with ease. Like, like, like last week when Malkin wasn't in the top 100 list and he scored the first goal. The yeah, game. dude, <laughs> dude, like 30 That's seconds. How it works. Too. Like these men are always going to be coming. They're in the league for a reason. They're That's, legends for a reason. That's and, how it works. and you could be like, Oh, Ovechkin's 38 Ovechkin's 38. Okay. He might not be the 50 goal man or 60 goal man that he was when he was 28, but he's still Alex Ovechkin. Yager had 70 points at 42 years old. Mm -hmm. He had 28 goals that year. I mean, that very much likely will be, I think Ovechkin's style of play will allow that to be the case because he stands there on the power play, wastes no energy. He's probably going to slow down the power forward type of play where he's like smashing into everything. But yeah, that'll halt. Yeah, bit. it will. Absolutely. But it'll be fun to watch Devils uh, Capitals tonight. You could catch it on TNT. See my guy Biz with Wayne Gretzky, Anson Carter, Liam McHugh should be so fun. Can't wait. Uh, also, pregame Let's Go Devils podcast, 5.30 Central Time. I will be on previewing the game. Make sure you tune in for that. Um, Frank, I think it's time we have a little little fun segment. We're going to rip it from our NFL segment as we will do it in period number two. Welcome to period two. Frank, for the first time this season, I'm not saying we're going to do it every two weeks or anything like that with football like we do with football because football is a lot more – Week to week. It's week to week. You know, we call it overreaction Monday for a reason. It truly is overreaction Monday every time. Um, those storylines change like two weeks ago. The Bills, the Bills, they're so good. They're scoring 50 points and, and now they've lost two in a row. It's like, do the Bills kind of stink? Are they even going to make the playoffs? Like, it, they go back and forth. And guess what, though, Frank? All the good teams go through a lull in the middle of the season every and, year. And something I had I had a conversation recently. Just get into the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Diamondbacks are in the World Series. Exactly. And there were talks like they weren't even going to make it. The Florida uh, Panthers were the 16th seed last year, made it to the Cup. Just Absolutely. make it to the playoffs. Yeah. Absolutely. And the changes week to week. If the Bills drop 50 this week, I don't know who they're playing. I haven't looked at the schedule as much. Tomorrow they play. Oh, they play tomorrow. That's right. Against the, against the Bay Bucks. Buccaneers. Yeah. They'll smoke the Bucks. The Bills, Josh Allen looks healthy. He's ready to go. Realistically, it's a game they should win. Yes. On paper. Yes. Absolutely. Home. Absolutely. I'm not going to sit here and say I won't be a little worried about them if they get smoked by Tampa Bay in Buffalo. But yeah, I'm nervous. VP. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm sure. But like, I'm not out on them because they lost two close games in a row against good teams. Like they lost to Jacksonville in London. Like, like, I wouldn't say the, the Patriots are a good team. Like no, five. no, no. But and they weren't they were on an eight game losing streak to Buffalo. I did not expect the Pats to go in. We'll get to this in the football segment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, right. it's much more weak. To, no, I mean, I get lost <laughs> in the sauce, too. Who are you talking about? Um. But we're, it's less week to week in hockey. I think Chico Resch told me on the Let's Go Devils podcast. Think of twenty game spans when you're like deciphering how a team is doing lately. Mm -hmm. Like we, you truly know nothing about any of these teams yet until we reach the twenty game mark. That was kind of Chico's philosophy, and I kind of buy into it a little bit. I think I like you're it. starting to see, like, okay, who are the undefeated teams left? the last two Stanley Cup champions and the team who last year had the best NHL regular season of all time. Those are the three remaining undefeated. Like, I do think we know a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, seven-ish games in, but after 20 games, I think we'll really know. And then by Thanksgiving, we'll start taking it in 20-game increments and, yeah. like, who's hot, who's not. 
you know, not necessarily going off like last night's loss in Ottawa or like, you know, the goalie had a bad day yesterday. He had the runs and he couldn't make a save. Mm-hmm. Like those types of things happen. Um, but and that's why the playoffs are such a crapshoot in the end, because it's whoever's the hottest at that point in time. And so with that, we will rank our top 10 NHL teams. These lists are going to look so different. Oh, 100%. I think they're going to look so different because just like they look different from each other's after week two in the NFL. Oh, or yeah. not not after week two. They probably looked similar after week two in the NFL. Actually, our lists in the NFL are pretty similar with the teams. This we might week, not even have same teams on our list. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. This week in the NFL, I think our lists are going to be pretty close. In the NFL? Yeah. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, I do. There's one team I'm going to creep up in there that wasn't on there last time. It depends. Well, I guess this weekend will depend on a lot too because we still got one to go. So I won't even get into that. Um, Frank, who do you have at number ten? Um, number ten, I have the Vancouver Canucks. Lies Pedersen leads the team in points, but I think this is going to be the Brock Besser show this year. The Vancouver Canucks have been really sneaky so far this season. Thatcher Demko and Casey DeSmith have been manageable. This year, Demko has a 9.23 save percentage. DeSmith has a 9.38 save percentage. Manageable, this man says. Incre- well, their team just can't support him around him, so that's what makes him manageable. But their save percentage has been lights out. Like that is like elite Hall of Fame type numbers right there. They've beaten the Oilers twice this year, which the Oilers, yeah, they're they're up and down this year so far. But they still they managed to beat the Oilers twice this year. They've beaten the Panthers so far this year. They lost to the Flyers and Lightning, but both the Flyers and Lightning have been playing good so far this year to start. I don't think that this team will be in the top 10 over the long run. But they made the list to start out. It'll be interesting to see what happens when this team starts to play the cream of the crop teams in the league. Can they beat those teams? Can they beat a Dallas? Can they beat a Vegas? Can they beat those types of teams? Or will they be feeding off the lower to middle teams in the NHL this season in hopes to make a postseason run? We'll see, but respect to them at number 10. Hell yeah, one of us picked them to make the postseason this year. Yep. Hopefully that continues. At number 10, I have the Los Angeles Kings. The Los Angeles Kings very well will creep up this list as the season goes along. I do believe that. But through the first week and a half of games, two and a half weeks of games, I believe that the Kings are the 10th best team in the NHL. They have studs. Pierre-Luc Dubois is amazing. He scored against his old team in the Winnipeg Jets. It's just a fun-to-watch team. I think they're kind of in a little bit of an early season, like still trying to work out the kinks. I really think there's only three teams in the NHL that haven't exper- that didn't experience that early season workout the kinks. Um, I'm pretty sure you could guess who they are. But every other team had a, like something to figure out within the first week and a half, two weeks of the season. And we'll get to those things as we move along. But mm-hmm. you know, the Kings, they're right there. I think they'll be a top team in the West all season long. At number nine, I have the New York Rangers. The New York Rangers have had an ugly loss. They had some good wins. And I still think there's another level for Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco to get to. Lafreniere scored his third goal of the season yesterday. Really, really good for him. Um, If he could become a 20-25 goal scorer and just a solid contributor, then people will be less likely to call him a bust. I I don't think he's a bust. I don't think Caco's a bust. Like, my definition of bust is different than other people. Is he a bust in terms of, like, he probably has the third most hype of any number one pick in our lifetime. Or not in our lifetime, in our hockey watching time. 
I would say it went McDavid, Bedard, Lafreniere. He, Lafreniere had more hype than Hughes, and he had more hype than freaking Darlene or Heischer. He absolutely did. Um, but if he's a 25, 60 point man, he, you know, he's a good player. That's, that's not a bust. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. And same thing for Capo Caco. If he's a 40 point man where he scores 15 to 20 goals, he is an NHL player. That is not a bust. Uh, Nail Yakupov was a bust. Okay. Mitchell Trubisky was a bust. <laughs> like those are busts when you don't have them play for you anymore. You could say they didn't fully live up to expectations. Lafreniere has not fully lived up to expectations, but he's far from a bust. You know, if the New York Rangers start thinking about trading him and the team he goes to doesn't use him, Nolan Patrick's a bust. I know it was a lot to do with injuries and whatnot. I feel bad saying it, but he was a bust, right? Um, You know, just I think the Rangers are a good team, and I'm excited to see what they're able to do going forward. Um, before I do my nine, I swear to God, I had the Kings down at 10 and I deleted them to put the Canucks. I think that's hilarious. That is funny because my number nine is the New York Rangers. Maybe our list not going to be too far off that VP thinks. Um, my number nine is the New York Rangers. They're not a team that is built to blow out their opponents. They play a play style where they're okay. Winning two to one, three to one. Their opponents are usually always in the game, which can end up hurting them in the long run, especially if, like, Igor Shosturkin has an off game. You know, Kreider and Panarin are really keeping the New York Rangers afloat at this moment, though. No one on the, uh, no one else on the team could really score any goals right now. I'm sure that'll change down the line. But right now, the Rangers' top seven point producers, top seven point producers on the team have 11 goals. Eight of those are split between Kreider and Panarin. No one else is scoring. That's not a great thing to have. You need balance, yet they're still 4-2 and two because they don't need many goals to win. They're fine playing those 2-1 to one games because they know they got Igor Shosturkin in their back pocket. However, you're telling me that no one on the team can score at the moment? That That's bad in the future, but I think it will even out. Um, I want to see more balance going forward, which, like I said, I think is going to happen. But if that doesn't change a lack of balance could lead to a first-round playoff exit once again. So I got the New York Rangers at number nine. Number eight, I got the Tampa Bay Lightning. Out of every team in the top ten in the standings, Lightning are the only team with a negative goal differential. Steven Stamkos missed a couple games. Andre Vasilevsky is not in the starting lineup for a couple months. Yet the the Lightning are still treading water. Who knows what this team's going to look like come January. If they come up, if they could keep up this pace, they get Vasilevsky back. They could be a threat to win the cup once again. Kucherov, Point, Hagel, even Hedman have been contributing so far. Their most impressive win came last night. You shut out the Carolina Hurricanes with your, what, third-string goalie, Jonas Johansson, somebody like no one would expect it. They've, that's an impressive win. But besides that, their other two wins came against non-playoff teams from last year, so that's why they're not too high up on my list right now. But nonetheless, they've beaten who they've been given. They've been impressive, and they're not even at full strength. That's what I got. Uh, I figured out maybe our one difference. I think we might have gotten 9 out of 10 the same because I didn't include the Lightning. You did. I had the Kings. You didn't. At number 8, I have the Vancouver Canucks. I did include the Canucks. I do think they're really, really good for every reason that you said. Um, The reason I left the Lightning off, 
it's I, I think you're right on everything you said, but it is the negative goal differential and the fact that it just doesn't seem quite the same. Kucherov's going at a high pace. Stamkos was out for a minute. He's back, though. He'll be fine. Uh, Vasilevsky might be out till like Christmas, like he might maybe a little before then. Like that's tough. Um, so I included uh, Vancouver instead and Quinn Hughes. What a player he's become. Elias Patterson, top 10 offensive player in the NHL. Um, Brock Besser looks like he's having a resurgent season. If all of a sudden his contract isn't albatross, then the Canucks are in a good spot. Maybe they aren't forced to trade him and try, you know, and JT Miller, he's really, really good. They're getting Thatcher Demko's always been a highly touted goaltending prospect. And then he was only on a bad Canucks team for the most part. Now the Canucks team's playing well in front of him, and all of a sudden he has this good save percentage. You know, it's not like Casey DeSmith played behind this defensive stalwart team either when he was with the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, he had Crosby, you know, they scored a lot of goals in front of him, but it's not like he, you know, had Ken Danico, Scott Niedermeyer, and Scott Stevens playing defense in front of him. You know, he had a bunch of Pittsburgh Penguins that aren't tough playing in front of him. So, you know, I think the Canucks, they're built for like regular season, moderate success. I think they'll be right there for the wild card all season long. And through the first week and a half of the season, I have them as the eighth or the seventh best team no, excuse me, the eighth best team in the NHL. I suck at math. I try to count, and I just can't. It's all right. That's why I'm here. Exactly. Um, at number seven, though, I have the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Toronto Maple Leafs, there's, they'll probably be in the top five by the end of the year, methinks. They're, the core four is looking awesome to start the season. John Tavares is he about to pull an Eric Carlson and just randomly have this 100-point season 10 years after his most recent one? I mean, what a player he is. I don't think he has a 100-point season in his career, but he's got he's been in the 90s. You know, is he back, like fully back? William Nylander is as good as he's ever been. So is Mitchie Marner, and Mitch Marner plays well on both sides of the puck, and so does, so does Nylander, not quite as well as Marner, but Nylander's a good player in both ends of the ice. Mm-hmm. You can argue Austin Matthews is a Selkie Trophy candidate out the bat, too. And he might I, – I don't think there's a world where he can't push for 70. I'm not saying he will get there, but, like, he should be a lock for 50 when he's healthy. Last year he wasn't healthy. He scored a lot of tip-ins, bank-ins. This year he's using that nasty shot again. That shot yesterday against Washington, and it really kind of put the dagger in the Washington Capitals for the game. Oh, man. He's on fire. I, I firmly would I would take him second in the NHL right now in terms of forwards behind McDusty. And he's just on fire leading the Maple Leafs a long way. Um, there are a couple teams ahead of them. The only reason I have a couple teams ahead of them is because it does seem in a couple of their games they have gotten off the slow starts. There's another team on my list that's going to get that critique too. Um, is And like I said, there are only three teams that hadn't had a couple off-season kinks to work out right at the start. The Maple Leafs were not one of those teams. Early in the season, they 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 looked powerful offensively, but they looked fragile. You know, mm-hmm. like they were down a couple of goals to Montreal, and Austin Matthews needed the hat trick to bring them back. And then two nights later, they needed another Austin Matthews hat trick to get them back in that game. You know, it, it's one of those things like, but now, yesterday, the game before, they're starting to look like the Maple Leafs again. And I think they're primed to compete for the President's Trophy all season long. Um, I'm not saying they'll win it, but they'll be in contention for amongst the best teams in the league, just like last year. And right now I have them at seven. <laughs> my number seven is the Toronto Maple Leafs. They would have been higher in my preseason. I didn't ask you to be on this show full time. Cause I thought you knew shit about hockey. <laughs> just saying. I, 
I probably would have had the Maple. I would have thought I would have had the Maple Leafs higher than this when we've done our first top ten uh, power ranking list. But you know they're four and two, but they could easily be three and three or two and four. Yep. They haven't been as dominant as some people may have thought. Exact they'd be. opposite luck of the Oilers. Exactly. They could. They a lot of people expect them to be a lot more dominant than they would have been right now. You know. I'm pretty sure I picked them to win the division. They don't look like a team that could win the division at this moment. They took a loss to the Blackhawks. They scraped up a win against the Capitals on Frozen Frenzy. And the only reason I say they scrapped up a win is because I know they won 4-1, to one, dominant performance, but they only had 17 shots. It's just they're not the, the Maple Leafs everybody was kind of hoping for. I think the defense is hurting them a little bit. I think their goaltending has really been up and down because of Samsonov. Uh, Wool's been great, but Samsonov, he's he's been really what's keeping him down a little bit. I would start a hole. But the next thing I was going to say, the Maple Leafs never really had an elite goaltender. So I think what you do is you start Wool or you go out and get that elite goaltender, which I don't think you need to do if you just start Wool. But have they ever really had that elite goaltender? I think that's what's killing them. Like, think back to all the goalies they've had. Would you say Freddie Anderson's that elite goaltender? I I wouldn't say he's that elite goaltender. He's a good goaltender. He got the job done. But I think he was never, he was top ten when he was on the Maple Leafs. But he never had that like that guy, right? No. Unless you consider Freddie Anderson that guy. No, when they had Leafs. when he was when he was at his peak on the Leafs, they didn't have the defensive team in front of him as much. But Marner, like Marner wasn't a Selkie Trophy yet. Matthews wasn't what he is today. Like every year, we're talking about the Leafs goaltending. Go out and get the guy or make changes. Start Wool. He's clearly the better of the two right now. I'd say yeah. he's the better of the two overall, to be honest with you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's really what's keeping me from putting them any higher right now is their slow starts and their lack of defense and goaltending. Like, make a big move. Have balls. Put Wool in. Jeez. I agree. It irritates me. I Number agree. six, I got the New, Je- <laughs> New Jersey Devils. Jack Hughes is on a tear. This is the year where he finally gets the 100-point mark. Mark my words, VP. It's going to happen this year. 120. He's on an unbelievable pace. He could go scoreless for four games, and he'd still be on pace. Um, The Devils had a slow start to the season. We talked about it. But they really turned up the tempo quite a bit, recovered from their only two losses of the year by winning a couple more since then. They look like a more disciplined team since last week when we talked about them. If they could keep that up, they have a real chance of winning the Metropolitan Division. I love what I'm seeing from all aspects of this team. First few games of the season is always tough. Get the kinks out early. They've done that since then. They look like a Metro Championship winning team, unlike the Maple Leafs right now. So that's why they're ahead. I got them at number six. There you go. At number six, I have the Dallas Stars. Um, I think the Dallas Stars, I mean, this is where we start getting into the, you know, the elite teams in the league where you're kind Mm -hmm. of splitting hairs. Um, I think the Dallas Stars are right there. They are going to compete all season long to be amongst the top teams in the league. I love Rupe Hints. Um, I think there's another level for their veterans to get to. We see it every year. They kind of start off on the slower side, but then they kind of pick it up. And, you know, mm-hmm. this Robertson is absolutely unreal. They got great goaltending from Ottinger. Top three defensive core probably in the Western Conference, I would say, with Miro Heiskin in. And they got Suter, and they got, you know, a couple other studs back there. So I'm excited to see what goes on with them, but you know, up front, it's like we always say, 
they have the young the young core and the older core. They're probably the only team in the league that has such a thing. Um, you know what they remind me of? They remind me of a better version of what the Wild were when Parisi first signed. Yeah, with the That's a good analogy with the uh, um, with the Wild. Like when Parisi and Suter first signed with the Wild, they almost had like two cores. They had the older group. I like that. Parisi, Suter, Koivu, Danny Heatley, and Devin Setaguchi, right? Mm-hmm. And then they had the younger group with group with Charlie Coyle, Jason Zucker, um, Jason Zucker. I'm forgetting a big one. Oh, Mikhail Granlund, and um, that's it. Those three. That's Suter, right? Yeah, Suter was part of the elder group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. You know, they had these kids in their early 20s making up half the lineup, and they had these kids in their late 20s, early 30s in the other half of their lineup, and then they got good goaltending from Harding and Backstrom. And, you know, their defense, it was Brodeen and um, Marco Scandella were kind of like the younger guys, and Ryan Suter was kind of carrying the front load as an older player. Like, the Dallas Stars remind – and that wild team was awesome. They didn't win the cup. It's one of the best teams to not win the cup in the last 20 years, that that core. And they just ran into the Blackhawks or the Kings every year in the playoffs and got mm-hmm. smoked by one of them. But they beat everybody else. They beat the Blues. They beat Nashville. You know, they beat Colorado before they had the Nate Dog and all that in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, that team was really good. I think the Dallas Stars are that team with a slightly higher ceiling. I couldn't agree more. And the <laughs> thing that will benefit the Stars as opposed to that wild core which is probably why I think they have a higher ceiling. The Western Conference was the power conference when the Wild were doing this. You know, the mm-hmm. Western Conference is not the power conference right now, the East. No. Yeah. So, you know, it's been a flip. We'll see what the Stars are able to do. I have them at number six. Is it my – do I go five? or? Yeah, you're five. I go five. I have the Detroit Red Wings. The Detroit Red Wings are off to a tremendous start. I did not pick them to make the playoffs. I'm starting to think that they might be. I know we're early. I know we're early. But like I like I like how they're winning. They're not five one and one by scraping together overtime wins against the Blackhawks and the Habs and you know the other teams that stink. Washington. They went into Buffalo and dominated. And smoked them. Yeah, they, they smoked right Ottawa, who's like an up and coming yeah. team. Right, they're, Ottawa's right outside my top I ten. I contemplated putting them at ten. So did I, I really, really so did. did. Yep. And, and they went there and made them look dumb. And <laughs> Alex, Dylan Larkin, if you're watching, I'm so sorry for t- calling you Portillos. Um, I called him Portillos when really. He was freaking Gene and Jude's. He just didn't have, he just didn't have his signature dish there yet. He was Gene and Jude's without the hot dogs. You know, They're they like have good everything. Open. Yeah, they were like getting ready to open. Dylan Larkin hadn't had a winger like, and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, is this going to be what happens to Connor Bedard on a high, on a lower scale? Like, is all of a sudden Connor Bedard going to go from a 70, 80 point guy? to a 110-point guy once he gets, like, a truly great winger. Alex DeBrinkett and Dylan Larkin are awesome together. And Dylan Larkin has been – he was a first-round pick. He's got high pedigree. When he was at Michigan, everyone knew he was going to be a star. And I'm thinking back, when was Dylan Larkin at his best? When he had Datsuk and Zetterberg around him. 
Mm-hmm. Datsuk's been gone for like five years now. Zetterberg one year less than that. Like, dude, it's no shock that all of a sudden Dylan Larkin and I, I'm, I'm like stunned that I wasn't able to like figure it out. He's a superstar. Lucas Raymond might have a top five hockey IQ in the entire NHL. And by hockey IQ, he's not a top five player, but he might be top five in terms of like, I'm smarter than you. Mm-hmm. I know where to be better than you. 100%. He's on real Ville Husso is d- provided some really good goaltending for them along with James Reimer Optimus Rhyme uh back to his Toronto Maple Leafs days that was his nickname with Steve Dangle we used to watch LFR every day um mm-hmm. it was it was crazy to watch the Red Wings be this good though Detroit what a city in sports right now I know they just yeah. got smoked in football but like I have a stat about I have something to mention about that that'll make you feel better about uh, the Lions. I'm not out on the Lions. No, not at all. No, not at all. And there's a stat that'll make you really, really think um, in terms of them. But the Red Wings, man, hockey's better when that when that winged wheel over here is in the mix. I think if they host a playoff game this year, Little Caesars Arena is going to be bumping. I, I'm rooting for it. Let's go Wings. Would that wings. be the first? That'd be the first playoff game in the new arena, right? Yeah. The last time they played in the postseason was 2016. Joe Lewis. The Joe Lewis Arena. They lost yeah. in the first round too. 2016? Is that what you said? Yep. The, not the Maple Leafs. Um, I don't know. The not Bruins? pointing to them. Oh. The Boston Bruins. I remember that series like it was yesterday. The, the Bruins and the Red Wings, they were playing. And Boston. And in late in the third period, the score is zero zero. You could go you go on YouTube, test my memory. I believe you. You you're in the third period late. And here comes Jerome McGinlaw. And he's got Nathan Horton and Lu and not Nathan Horton. He's got Lucic and Krejci out there with him. All of a sudden the puck gets sent to the front of the net and Lucic pokes it just an inch wide of Jimmy Howard's goalpost. And Johan Franzen collects the puck in the corner. Pavel Datsuk kind of st- takes it from him by like a little sw- sweet through the legs move. And then he starts going to work on Chara. Chara falls on his ass. Datsuk shoots beat Rask. one nothing with two minutes left in the third period. Detroit wins the game one nothing. Then the Bruins win five straight. <laughs> or four straight, excuse me. That's unbelievable. Very, very good times with the Red Wings in the playoffs. All right, wow. Frank, who do you have at number five? My number five is the Detroit Red Wings. Who knew how much Alex it coming to his home state would make a difference? I, I thought it would help the team out a lot. Like, honestly, I thought it was going to be good. Guys, you know, have that energy coming to your home state. Um, it's like you have more to play for. You're not just playing for your team, but you're playing for the team you grew up watching, right? And this team looks dangerous on any given night. And I thought Alex Tabrinka was going to be great coming to the team. But nine goals already? He's got nine goals, which leads the NHL. Are you kidding me? When I heard he had nine goals, I almost fell off the couch. I did. I mean, Dylan Larkin's taking advantage of this much-improved team. Like you said, he leads the team with 14 points, tied with Jack Hughes for the highest in the league right now. And right now, Larkin's on pace to shatter his career high of 79 points that he had last year. And this team's nuts. Who knew they would have gotten 11 out of possible 14 points to start the season? They look great. And honestly, 
I know it's early and it's a small sample size. They've only played what six, seven games, however many games they played. But I think they're gonna make the playoffs. I really do. I truly believe the way they're playing. I don't see this slowing down. I mean, Debrinket's not gonna keep scoring like this. I don't think Debrinket's gonna have like sixty goals. But I think the production's still gonna be there. The points will still be there, and I think overall, this team's great and they're so young, which is gonna do so well and bode so well for their future. They're in good hands right now. Detroit Red Wings, if you said I would add Detroit Red Wings in my top five, I would have looked at um, the first time we did this, I would have looked at you like you had three heads. I'd say, yeah, there's a chance. I know they're young. They could be good. But they've really impressed me more than really anybody else on this list, to be honest with you. So they're I agree. Five. Number they're, four. They're, them and the Canucks are yeah. the most odd-looking ones on this list right now. I wasn't going to put the Canucks at 10. And I'm like, I got it. I got it. They look great. Yeah. The goaltendings look great. How can I not include them? Yep. So that's why I X-Nade the Kings, which the Kings are right there. Ottawa's right there, right outside uh, my top 10. But nonetheless, I had to give it to Vancouver. My number four is the Dallas Stars. Dallas Stars are one of four teams yet to lose in regulation this year. And I think the reason maybe why they were a little lower on your list is because they've only played five games this year. So we haven't seen as much of them as we had other teams. That's how I felt about the Devils being in the exact same spot on your list. Right. And, you know, we haven't seen them enough this year, which, but they've looked great so far. Jake Ottinger has been great. They've only allowed 11 goals the entire year, which is second best behind the Boston Bruins. And they look like a threat to win the Stanley Cup once again, just like everybody predicted, or not once again, but just like everybody predicted. Dallas Stars, man, we haven't seen a lot of them, but through the five games we've seen, they look dangerous. And they're everything I thought they would be and more right now. I mean, they haven't lost in regulation yet. That that says a lot. I agree. I completely agree. Um, so at number four, I have the New Jersey Devils and I'm with you. They haven't played as much just like the stars. So they might be a little lower on your list because they are three, one and one instead of four, one and one, or, you know, instead of five, two and oh, you know, like right. they, they're, it just looks a little different because it's a three instead of a four, but they haven't played that game. That game is tonight against the Washington Capitals. If you're listening to the audio version, you have probably seen the game already, but you know if they take care of business against the Washington Capitals tonight, which I think we all would predict that they should, they would be four, one and one. That's right there with all these other teams in terms of record that have played five games. Um, the Red Wings have played seven. Um, a couple teams have played seven. Um, but I think Jack Hughes having 14 points through the first five games, it's just under three points per game to start the season which is like a 210 point pace. He has the most points through five games since Mario Lemieux had 15 in 1991, 92. That's insane. And he had like 180 points to finish that season. Jack Hughes probably won't reach that eclipse because, you never know, know you never know. never know. I think there's a chance he's the league's leading scorer by the end of the year. If McDavid comes back and gets hot and has 120, 140, wouldn't shock me at all. And, you know, he'll be more consistent maybe. But Jack Hughes has points in every game and multiple points in all of them but one. I think he might even have multiple in that game too. He has he to. He did end up with multiple in He didn't have like Florida an eight-point game. game, so. No. Yeah. A couple four-pointers, a couple three-pointers. I think he had one two-pointer, the Florida, the regulation loss, which – and the reason the Devils are four instead of being undefeated, honestly, 
because they're two losses, one in overtime, one in a shootout, one in regulation. They got outscored in the first period in those games. Um, let's see here. I think it's six to zero. And the fact that they got even a point out of one of them and then had a chance to win the other one that they lost in regulation, you know, they, they came back. That Florida game was four nothing Panthers. And all of a sudden it's four three. They have the goalie pulled with a chance to tie it. They don't. Um, if they had a better start in each of those games, if they were remembered the, what time the game started that those two days, they'd be 5-0-0 too. And so I do think there's a ceiling that really this team should strive to reach this year. Toffoli's been unreal. Heesher, Mercer, and Meyer slow to start. Heesher's on the board. Meyer has three assists now. It's all starting to come together. Um, Eric Hall is back from injury. Looks great. Dougie Hamilton. I think Dougie Hamilton might be the most productive free agent signing since Tavares. And Tavares and Ho and Hamilton are right there with like Hosa. Hosa is the greatest free agency signing in Chicago Blackhawks history. He's probably the best since 2000. Like, because free agent signings, they really don't work out all that often. We all get excited on July 1st when our favorite teams <laughs> sign big name players and then they end up sucking for a lot of money. Like, that is kind of not happening with Dougie Hamilton at all. Mm -hmm. So that's where I stand with the Devils at four. I'm very excited about them. Um, Bachkaloop says, greetings from Austria. Austria, love what you guys bring. Thank you very much. Wow, we enjoy awesome. having you here. Um, I I'm assume he's sure, just visiting. I'm pretty sure Bacha Galoop is a Devils fan. Yeah, he's is he from Austria. Yeah. Oh, he's I, not just visiting. I actually, I have no idea. Actually, I have no idea. But you know, really cool to have people listening all over the world. Um, but yeah, that's where I stand. Bacha Galoop's Devils at number four. <laughs> um, at number three, I have the Colorado Avalanche. I think you can argue one through three in any order. The Colorado Avalanche are the 2022 Stanley Cup champions. They're right back in the mix this year. Is it going to be a little tough tough in terms of depth without Landis Cog? Sure. Maybe they'll get him back in time for the playoffs. But the way Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, and Kale McCarr are playing right now, like you can argue, I don't think Miko Rantanen's name gets brought up enough when debating who the second best player in the NHL is. I, I think there's a clear top three right now. I do think it's McDavid, Matthews, McKinnon, and then McCarr for for that fifth spot. There are going to be people that say Jack Hughes. I think Miko Rantanen has to be right there too. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best wingers in the league right now, and the Avalanche are lucky to have him. I have them at number three. They're on a roll. We'll see how long they stay undefeated. No team. I, I don't think any team will be undefeated by our next show. Maybe, though. Um you know, but everyone plays each other and there's a long it's season. Tough. It's very tough. Every team will lose 20, I think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's the Colorado Avalanche at number three for the exact same reasons I said. Oh, Devin Taves and Bowen Byram, sick young defenseman to back up Kale McCarr, too. They even love Sam Girard. I mean, the defenseman that this team has, they get good goaltending. There's uh, Gorgiev has been phenomenal to start the season with Colorado. So I have them at number three. They play really hard. Interesting. Yeah, I think we we have the same three, just in a different order. My number three is the Boston Bruins. Even after losing Bergeron and Krejci, there was a lot of speculation as to what to expect from this Boston Bruins team this year. So far, they're proving everybody wrong. All the doubters out there doubted the Boston Bruins. 
um, off to a 6-0-0 start. Only have given up seven goals so far in the six games, which I mentioned before, which is just amazing to think about because it's just a smidge over one goals against per game. It's hard to imagine, like, how do you lose games when you're only giving up a little over a goal per game? I mean, it's near impossible. They're not scoring as much as some of the other team, but they are in reality and in theory. They they really are, just, um, but just not as much. But their goaltending's been great. Pasternak's been great. Martian's been great. Matt Potra's been great. Um, I mean, I, just really everything. The defense has been great. This whole team's been great, and that's why they were the best team in my eyes yesterday in the Frozen Frenzy. And they come in third on this list. Second on my list, the Colorado Avalanche. The Avalanche have the best goal differential in the league, meaning that they're outscoring their opponents the most in each game. Uh, in each of their games so far this season, they're also meaning they're not giving up that many goals because they're outscoring them so much. They're si- they're also 6-0-0 like the Bruins, but I gave the Avalanche the edge because of the goal differential. They're scoring a ton as well. They're not just squeaking out wins. They're also getting wins in dominant fashion. Rantanen has 12 points through six games. Makara has nine points through six games. They have five players on their team that are point per game so far. Everything's kick clicking with the Colorado Avalanche. I got to admit, preseason, I was a little worried about Ranton, and I thought I was hoping he'd do great. I ended up drafting him in fantasy as my first-round pick, um, and I was a little skeptical. I'm like, is he going to have the same year he did last year? He's he's on pace to do even better. He's doing fantastic. I love what I'm seeing off this team. Um, Miko Rantanen, yeah, he's going to end up being a Hall of Famer. Nathan McKinnon, Hall of Famer. Kale McCarr, Hall of Famer. I mean, everything's clicking right now. And what I love about them is they're just, they're dominating opponents. Like I said, they're not just squeaking out wins. They're dominating opponents. They were worthy of the number two spot on my list. Absolutely. And the number two spot on my list goes to the Boston Bruins. I think the Boston Bruins, um, people forget that sometimes good organizations find ways to stay good organizations, regardless of personnel leaving, whether it be front office personnel or players or coaches, the Boston Bruins have been one of the best teams in the NHL for the last 20 ish years. I mean, we're going on a long time of the Bruins being a top team. They got one Stanley cup out of it. A lot of people would have liked them to get two or three out of the Bergeron Krejci, Rask, Chara. They made it three times. They made it three times, exactly. They lost to two good teams, and they beat another good team in the Vancouver Canucks in 2011. I mean, you know, it's hard to win the Cup. You also played in the same time as Crosby and Ovechkin. They each got – they combined for four Cups during your run. The Hawks had three. The Kings had two. The Lightning had two. I mean, there are some great teams throughout the Boston Bruins' reign. Um they find ways to stay good. Bergeron and Krejci are gone. Okay. Zaka, Koyo, Poitra. That's not your ideal top three. I can't wait till the Bruins finally grow some balls and put Poitra in between Bergeron or in between Pasternak and Marshawn. That'll be fun. But I don't know, man. I think the way they play, they adjust to their roster. They're not Colorado. They don't play like Colorado. They play like the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. They could suffocate you. They can you know, score and take advantage of your mistakes. And I think that's a real plus. I think it's going to serve them well over the course of an 82-game schedule. I also love that they have two elite goaltenders. They are the only team in the league with two elite goaltenders, like super elite top 10. If we were to make a list of top 10 goalies, they would both be on it. 
we only did top five. And then we each gave an honorable mention because I think there's a clear top six. And I honestly think you can argue Allmark and Swayman as number seven and number eight. I really, really do. And they're amazing. They go back and forth every other night. I think that'll be the case. I think they learned their lesson in the playoffs last year because last year they didn't rotate. They went right to Allmark because he won the Vezina Trophy. I'm like, this year, screw the Vezina Trophy. Screw any other accolades. Rotate in the playoffs, too. They will be so fresh. If each of them has 41 games played going into the playoffs, I think that would be money, money, money. And I'm excited to see what they're able to do, you know, going out the rest of the season. My number one is none other than the Vegas Golden Knights. The Vegas Golden Knights are the best team in the NHL through two and a half weeks. Um, The defending Stanley Cup champions never start off this hot. Um, I think they're more likely to be off this list usually than at number one. Mm-hmm. Um, the defending Stanley Cup champions. I mean, we we've seen it time they'd and time never, again. If we did a if we did a power ranking every year, they probably wouldn't never be at one. No, I'm trying to think. Like Tampa would have been up there after their first cup. They would have been in the mix. The Hawks would have been up there after 2013. Um, but I don't know about number one. It's tough. You know, like it's very tough. They're seven oh and oh. It's the best start to a season in the history of a Stanley Cup champion. They just get it done, man. Ever since coming into the league, Vegas just gets it done. <laughs> they find a way. They're just they're the permanently I, good. I think they're the best organization in the NHL right now. And I know they're only seven years old. I don't give a crap. I really don't. They do everything right. Oh, stones available? You don't say. Give up the kid. Send him over. Batherson. He's a good player. Send him over. Oh, oh you know no shit. Pacioretty's available? Give him Suzuki. He's going to be their next captain, sir. I don't care. Um. Oh, Jack Eichel's available. Get the checkbook. Get the checkbook out. I mean, mm-hmm. Petrangelo's a free agent. Oh, no shit. Oh, you mean we don't have to go for Tory Crew? You, oh, we could get Petrangelo. Huh. Okay. That's the Vegas Golden Knights. They always put their best foot forward. They're always looking to win. Ever since coming into the league, they've just been a model franchise. And anybody who hates them is a weirdo because, like, that's how every team in the NHL should operate. There's a lot of haters out there. There are a lot of haters out there. The Knights. But, I mean, they they took the rules that they were – Seattle's not that good. No. Seattle might suck. It's all about how you run it. Just because you're a new team and you try to replicate what you saw doesn't mean you can you could look at the model. It doesn't mean you could replicate the model. Exactly. And, uh, you know, a wild bill going from Columbus to Vegas. Seattle doesn't have a wild bill. They have a couple, you know, a couple of Marsh assaults and a couple Riley Smiths. Like, I think McCann is great. Like, Tanab's awesome. Like, they have a couple spider monkeys on that team in Seattle. But they don't trade for Stone. They haven't traded for an Eichel, signed a Petrangelo. Like, that just hasn't happened yet. And will it? I don't know. But Vegas, that is a hockey team right there. It is. They're the best team in the NHL right now. Which oh, feed me a Devil's Knights Stanley Cup final. I might eat those words. <laughs> but, like, that'd be sick to watch Jack Hughes go up again. The best player, the, the most talented team versus the best team, I think. You know, so, that kind of storyline, that would just be so sick. Knights won another one. Yeah, they, well, want they, another one. they want another one, and they might just get one. Uh, it's scary. I am assuming you could guess my number one. Um, the <laughs> Dell's Ducks. It's the Chicago Blood. No. The Chicago <laughs> Bledha, the Bedard. 
the uh, my number one's the Vegas Golden Knights. They're the only team in the NHL that's seven zero and zero. With that, they're in second place with the best goal differential in the league. They're doing it all just like the Avalanche. Got the better record. Given that they're the Stanley Cup champions and the best start to a season as the reigning cup champions, I have no reason not to have them at one. We don't see this type of stuff too often. With the There's usually a Stanley Cup hangover, and in the city where you think there'd be the most hangover, there is none, which is weird. I mean, it's just they don't let anything get to them. They don't let the high-pressure moments get to them. Oh, we're losing to the Philadelphia Flyers, a team on paper who's going to be bottom of the league. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. We're not going to let it get to us. We'll play our game. We'll end up tying it, and we'll win in regulation. So, I mean, that's the way the Vegas Golden Knights play. There's not much else to say about the Vegas Golden Knights. I think you said it great. This team is just unreal, and maybe not enough people are talking about them. I thought they'd be great. I didn't think they'd come out with this start, though, to be honest with you. It's just, it's unbelievable. In my head, I don't, I can't picture a future where the Vegas Golden Knights are a bad team. I I don't, that just, I can't see it down the line. Like, it's going to happen eventually because you're not going to go 50 years and just be great and make the playoffs every year. But it's like, I just, in my brain, I don't compute a, a season where they're bad. So Vegas Golden number Vegas Golden Knights number one on my power rankings. I agree. They could have pulled the Florida Panthers if they made it two years ago. They missed by one point. Yep. They got screwed in the last day of the regular season two years ago. They oh. could have pulled the Florida Panthers. Oh, if they got in, they're dangerous. They're one yeah. of those teams. Yeah. Or if they lost to Colorado in the conference finals. And then they're like their goaltending. Like who knew their goaltending would be good from what they've gotten the past few years? Yeah. They never had that elite goalie besides Flurry. But I mean, like recently, within the past like three years. Yeah. Bro is no, not elite. Um, Logan Thompson's not elite. Aiden Hill wasn't elite. They might be now, but they weren't. Yeah. And then I they agree. develop into these players. Absolutely. Like that was one of the biggest question marks last year was their goaltending. They win the cup. Vegas is probably a they gotta start kind of getting a reputation as a goaltending development factory. You know how like what people say about the Cleveland Guardians with pitching? Yeah. The Cleveland Guardians could win 80 games a year, but they'll always have like a high team, a low team ERA. Mm-hmm. Like they just develop pitchers better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. The White Sox always have a stud first baseman. They went from freaking Frank Thomas to Canerco to Abreu to Vaughn. Like, you know, the, yeah. some teams are just fat. Ohio State, they're the running back, linebacker capital of the world. You go to Ohio State as a running back or a linebacker, you're going to have a great career in the NFL. Like, that's kind of what's becoming a Vegas. Right? All is. their goalies. They had seven goalies in their first year, cup final. Lost to, <laughs> yeah, lost, that's what I'm lost to Ovechkin, who wouldn't have lost to anybody, I don't think. They wouldn't have lost to the 88 Oilers, that Ovechkin Capitals team. Like, it's it's crazy. The Vegas Golden Knights are just so the, sick. The Vegas Golden Knights could put Scott Foster in that the whole year, and I think he's going to be a Vezina candidate. Yeah, you're probably right. It, it's just unbelievable. We always, like, uh, we're always a little skeptical on their goaltending, and they proved us wrong seven years in a row. So. Yep. Oh, I'm done with the whole Vegas negativity <laughs> thing. I don't give a fuck who their goaltender is. Oh, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Scott Foster would probably mess up his career 1,000 save percentage if he went and played for them. That probably would get a little messed up. But, you know, right. they'll lose a couple games this year. They'll be fine. You know, there'll be a day where McDusty and Dryside will combine for five goals. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll they'll play the Kings, and the Kings will play them hard. I'm sure there'll be one bad team that beats them. Arizona beat Vegas in Vegas last year. 
Uh, I'm sure there'll be a game this year where like the Hawks maybe catch him off guard. Bedard scores a sweet goal and it actually gets to count this time because the offsides was a minute before this time instead of 40 seconds. Um, I mean, they're just a, they're a respectable team. I like Vegas. Yep. Um, Frank, good, good talk on the NHL so far. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for more um, on what's going on in the NHL, go to puckpros.com. I'm all over. I was all over the Frozen Frenzy. We had a Blackhawks article, a Capitals article, a Blue Jackets article, a Devils article. We have, let's see what's in the in the filter right now waiting to be edited by me. We got a Canucks article. There's an entire Frozen Frenzy ESPN broadcasty type of article. There's a Minnesota Wild article on what Ryan Hartman did just published by my co-expert jim shout out jim um love a good jim i know you love a good jim i love a good i know a lot of gyms yeah there's a lot of gyms around us um but you know go read all that stuff you must do it read frankie's video game shit kind of unrelated but read frankie's video game shit at apptrigger.com as well and there's plenty of sports content on there too actually now that i'm thinking about it Um, not as much lately but you know there's other big games that come out Hell yeah. That need to be Spider Man. New York needs saving, so yeah, New York needs saving. <laughs> Wall crawler, he's all over it. Um, Frank, there are other sports to talk about though, and we gotta get to those right now in period number three. One, two, three, football. <laughs> What's up, dude? Football best, best best game of the weekend? What was it? I don't know if this is chalk because, but it was like the most exciting. It was, it has got to be. The, I actually have two. The one, one is to me the chalk answer was the Browns at the Colts. I think a lot of people are expecting a low-scoring game. Everybody thought Browns got a good defense. Colts quarterbacks out, but we got one of the highest-scoring games of the season so far. I mean, if the Dolphins didn't score seventy by themselves, this would be the highest game of the season. It's a game that went back and forth, back and forth. Browns end up pulling out a one-point win with a touchdown late by Kareem Hunt. It had the makings of, like, a nail-biter on both ends of it. If both teams – I know you think the Browns are elite. No, I don't. Oh, you don't? I thought you did. Elite is pushing it. Well, if both teams – Double team? Yes. If if both teams were elite, this would be, like, talked about a lot. Like, this would be, like, game of the year. Like, if this was Eagles – when the Eagles played the Dolphins this past week, if this was the type of game we got – They'd be talking about it week 18. This the game is forgotten. The Bills and the Chiefs played this game in week five last year. Yeah, and we still mention it. No, this we talked about no, I'm saying it got heavily talked about way more. This than ain't me. gonna be mentioned down the line, but it was the most it was the best game of the week, which is a shame because games like this should be talked about. But it nobody's gonna talk about it week 17. I might say, Vin, you remember that game the Browns played against the Colts? Just say, yeah, but like ESPN's not gonna bring it up. Like they don't care about that game that much. The other one. Um, and I don't want to steal yours, but I want to mention it. Like if it was one of these, it was but, that one. Oh, okay. It's all good yeah. though. I'll talk about it more. But the Vikings and the 49ers game was also very interesting because yeah. nobody gave the Vikings any hope after not losing at all as a starter. Brock Purdy loses back to back game. Kirk finally gets a big win in primetime, something he can't do. Vikings made the game interesting and the game was on the line during the last drive of the game. Purdy throws an interception. Vikings get the win and overall very entertaining Monday night football game, but I still give the Browns Colts the edge as the most exciting best game of the week. I, I completely agree. Uh, those are the two I would say too. I wrote Vikings run to the NFL wildcard on our sheet. Yeah. I think there's a chance they're, we'll they're in the mix. That. 
I think there's a chance they're in the mix. The um, My favorite game was the Browns. I was going to come on here and make fun of you for it. I've been telling you all year long the Browns are a good team. I told you two years ago that they were going to be good. They were only okay, and I lost the bet because they didn't get to 10 wins. They were still a, good, <laughs> a decent team that year. But, you know, the, the Browns, just because they're the Cleveland Browns, I don't believe in this organizational narrative that can't ever change. I always think it's possible for it to change. And, you know, the Cleveland Browns are good. Deshaun Watson was a top five quarterback at the time of his leaving the NFL due to his legal issues. He had the most yards in his first four career seasons in NFL history. He was awesome. It's taking him a minute to get it back. I don't like Deshaun Watson. He's a bad human being. I think he's a scumbag. I wish anybody else that was good was playing quarterback for the Browns. But, you know, I like the Browns. I like Ohio. I always will. But it's one of those things, like, they're a good team. I Do I see them beating the Chiefs in the playoffs? No. Could I see them upsetting a team like the Steelers or the – I don't know about the Jags. Maybe the Jags. No, not really. Maybe not even the Steelers. Not the Ravens either. But, like, anybody else? Like, if they it were, could talk me. If they were in the uh, NFC, they could, like, upset the Bucks. Yeah. Or, or the Vikings. I yes. could see them beating the Vikings. Yes, I could see them beating the Lions. I really could. The Browns are good. If Deshaun Watson can resemble 80% of what he was – before his legal issues, that could be a really, really because they're Absolutely. decent. Absolutely, bunch of dogs. Miles Garrett. It was a weird Woo! game. So many points. Oh, I know. That good. I know. I know. And, and like the Colt, who Gardner Minshew. Yeah, he's not elite. No. And and like you're able to score thirty eight against yeah. that defense. That was, it was one of the most shocking games of the week too. Yeah. Well, defense and special teams played a big portion. Yeah. Miles Garrett with the field goal block. Um, Insane. Some some very interesting stuff. Absolutely. Um, Frank, let's get right into it since we mentioned it. The, I'm skipping two and then we'll go back up. Um, the Vikings. Mm -hmm. They won a game over the San Francisco 49ers who Sorry. all of a sudden look human again. And what's up with Brock Purdy? Are we going to overreact? You know, he was mystery relevant. Is he Jimmy Garoppolo or is he Tom Brady? Like, you know, this late round pick that, you know, is good. He finds ways to win games. I think Brock Purdy, you can win games with him. I think you have to win a certain way, though. If they're trailing in the fourth quarter, they're toast. He's not Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, one of these elite superstars, mm -hmm. like drive you down in the two-minute drill. But I think if you, you can get out to a good lead, with Brock Purdy, if you play well, they didn't play well in the first half. The Vikings took them. Um, can they make a run for the NFC Wild Card? I assume you don't think they could make a run for the division. No, they're not going to make a run for the division. I do think it's very possible that they make a run for the Wild Card. Here's the thing with the Vikings: at least this year, they've played all the top teams tough. One score: lost to six to the Eagles, lost to seven to the Chiefs, lost to four to the Chargers. They beat the 49ers. I thought this game was going to be close. It was like minus seven, which was ridiculous on the road for the 49ers because of how well the Vikings play top teams. They don't beat the top teams. They keep it close. They ended up winning this game. I think if they're going to make a run for the NFC wild card, the first things first, they need Jefferson to get back as soon as possible. They have a big game versus the Packers this week. If they win that, we have a much better idea of them, them making a run for the wild card. They're sitting pretty then if they beat the Packers because their biggest contenders right now for the wild card are the Bucks, the Rams, and the Saints, who I think they're better than all three on their best day. And 
uh, yeah, with that being said, they also have a very uh, easy schedule coming up. It goes Green Bay, Atlanta, New Orleans, Denver, Chicago, uh, Las Vegas. If they go four and two, they're right in it for a wild card. Hell, they might even go five and one. Then they might go worse. They might go two and four. But the way I'm seeing them playing right now, they could easily go four and two. And then right then and there, you're in it for the NFC wild card. But either way, we can't count the Vikings out and just say there's no chance for them to win the wild card because of the slow start they had. However, Jefferson returning sooner rather than later would be a huge boost. And I think when he goes on IR, you have to miss four games. I think is this his fourth game miss? Third game coming oh, up? I think it's only two. No, really? Yeah. No, this upcoming one would have to be three. Because That's what I'm saying. No, I meant the upcoming one. Was it three or four? You saying it's going to be three. Yeah. The one against the Packers I'm talking about. The one that they play this weekend. Yeah. I think is three. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's two. I go, no, there's no. Oh, way. no, no. He's missed two weeks, I think. Oh, okay. Damn. That's, that's but rough. Jalen Addison playing this well without him. But he, Imagine he when he comes back. Injury. Is, he, is yeah, he good? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. If he goes down, then it's like, uh-oh. It's tough. I, I like their strength of schedule, though. Hawkinson's been great. Oh, yeah. And Detroit, man, they could have used Hawkinson, but they drafted the other kid, and he's been playing well for them, too, the Iowa guy. Mm-hmm. Um, It's, it's going to be a good battle. I think Detroit wins 10, 11, 12 games. I really do. Their strength of schedule is slightly easier than Minnesota, who has an easy schedule, because Detroit came in third last year. No, they came in second, but still, second in the NFC, that's not giving you a hard strength of schedule. Right. And they have two against the Bears still, and one against the Vikings, one against the Packers, I think, still. Like, Detroit, Detroit's in business. Um, oh, yeah. I went from thinking that the Vikings are going to trade Kirk Cousins for draft picks to they could still trade them and punt on the season still knowing they won't beat like the Eagles or the 49ers. I don't think in the playoffs, I know they just beat them on Monday night football, but like, and get a hella haul for them. It's a really good quarterback draft class and go that way. But I also could see them keeping them and trying to make a run. Like you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably going to end up being that. I think they're going to keep them and try and go on a little bit of a run. Good. But they've been impressive. I think they could snag a wild card. We'll see if they're able to. What do you think of the Bears beating the Raiders with Tyson Secret Bajan and Secret Bajan, man? Um, got their second one of the season. Good for them. Manhandled the Raiders 30 to 20. Of course, the Raiders were without Jimmy G. And Brian Horner has now lost 13 consecutive starts. His last win came in 2016 when he started with the Chicago Bears. So take the win with a grain of salt. But the biggest takeaway was how well Bajan played or Bajan played. Bajan looked great. He looked great in relief for Fields the week before. He looked great on Sunday. I say you give the guy a chance, and if he starts rolling and playing well, you start him over Fields. The Bears aren't going to do that, though, of course. You're not going to not start Fields. I personally would. Um, and, and, you know, you never know what happens. I mean, this is how Brock Purdy got his chance, a couple of injuries. You just really never know. Bajan's awareness was great. If if he saw something he didn't like, then he, he didn't force a throw. Then he would take off for a run and gain some yards. With Fields, you got designed quarterback runs because you know he's a running quarterback. It just doesn't end up working out. 
Bajent, you see something you don't like? Okay, now I'll take off. We're not going to design a running back, or we're not going to design a run play for Bajent. And look at how well it worked out. DJ Moore even got involved with a touchdown, something that really hasn't happened this week through the first seven weeks. I mean, everything with the different quarterback under center was just great. And I love the way they play. I, I want to see more of this kid. I'm not going to overreact and say he is Brock Purdy, but I've really liked what I've seen from the very extreme small sample size we've seen from Bajan. I love the overreaction we're getting. They beat Brian Hoyer, who hasn't won since he was with a different pathetic Bears team. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jimmy G would have slaughtered the Bears. I wholeheartedly believe that. Bajit would be getting no credit. It would just be a disaster class. I really believe that. This team sucks. And now there are people, they got the same record as Green Bay. Green Bay sucks too. How about that? Jordan Love stinks too. And the faster Packer fans realize that, the better off they'll be. But guess what? They're actually a good organization, and they'll admit to it quicker than the Bears would. So, you know, the Bears would give Jordan Love a five-year extension if they had him. Oh, you know, the kids looked good so far. <laughs> they both suck. They all suck. Bajent, nice story. I'm happy for him. He won an NFL game in his first NFL start. Wait till he gets his first ass beating because that's coming. Give him a chance. Let's I, give him a chance. Let's give him no a chance. chance. The, he looked good. You know what pissed me off? Why did he have a better game plan than they make for Fields? He threw the ball 21 times, but he only got 150 something yards. If if Justin Fields can, or he threw the ball 29 times. I'm I'm sorry, he completed 21 of them. That's an outstanding percentage. If you told me an NFL starting quarterback went 21 for 29, well, how many yards do you get? 300, 150. Excuse me. He's dinking and dunking all the short, and that that won them the game. I respect it. Why can't they come up with a game plan that suits Justin Fields' game? Why does Justin Fields have to play Tyson Bajant football? It just makes no sense to me. This team's a disaster. I hate Matt Eberflus. They if a re, if they had a real coach, they would have won that game by fifty. Some of the decisions that he made were just atrocious. The Raiders suck too without Jimmy G. I think they can win with Jimmy G. Um, they're the best worst team in the NFL. And the Bears found a way to get it done in a one game. Uh, it's It sucks. The whole thing stinks. I'm not happy. I, I'm i not overreacting to this Tyson Bay. Again, I felt good for him on Sunday. As a human being, as a fellow human being who knows what it's like to feel accomplishment when you do something cool, I'm happy for Tyson Bajan. I am. I am just not one of those people who's like, we, we might we might not even need to use a pick on a quarterback this year. We found our guy, this this Beijing kid from Shepherd. Okay. Well, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying No, and I'm not saying you're Williams. saying that. I'm not saying you're saying that. You you described it perfectly. It's the people on the radio and some of the media that Tyson Beijing, uh oh, the eyeball emojis. Stop. <laughs> Stop. It's like What's that other guy? There was another quarterback that replaced Cutler for a couple games, and he played okay. His last name started with a B. His last name started with a B, too, if I remember correctly. Um, Isn't that Brian Hoyer? No. There was a, there was a, a guy who compl- way less relevant than Hoyer. Like, Hoyer's a superstar compared to this guy. <laughs> um, Hold on. I'll find it really quick. Uh, Matt Barkley. Matt, Matt- Matt, Matt Broccoli? 
Matt Barkley put together a couple of good starts in a row. I don't and even know who that is. Matt Barkley, he started like right after Cutler. I don't remember that at he all. He like played a couple games and then they drafted Trubisky. And it's like I remember McCown. McCown was like McCown was uh like during the Cutler era as the backup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why that's who I, I don't remember Matt Barkley. Bar- Barkley backed him up. Barkley backed him up like late, like really late. And right before Trubisky. And people were like, okay, this Barkley kid, he's looking good. He's been better than Jay. Stop. Nobody's been better than Jay since Jay. Stop. He's one overreaction. It, it grinds my gears in the NFL. It doesn't happen in any other sport. It, it doesn't happen in any other sport. If, if the Washington Capitals smoke the Devils tonight, Nobody will think there's anything wrong with the Devils. <laughs> Nobody will think Washington's going to the playoffs. It's because there's so many less games in the NFL. I know, I know, and I get it, but like. And here's the thing. Bajan, I don't think he's Tom Brady. I don't think he's Josh Allen. I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes. But here's the thing. It was a fresh face back there, and it felt great. Yeah. And they got the win. And it's like. You, you got to ride with it, right? It, it looks so good. How do you revert from this? Like, I get it. Fields is making the bag right now or whatever. You can get He's a higher-paid athlete. He's a higher-paid quarterback. But it's like, really? I mean, we're not – we're going to go back to what we were and be boring again and unenjoyable to watch? Like, give the kid a chance. Let's put him back in there. I'm cool with that. And if he loses, who gives a shit? The season's not going anywhere. It's not like you're five and one and all right, we're getting fields back now, but fields has looked bad. Well, no, then you put fields in because he compiled whatever you got to do. Yeah. Come on. Give the kid. There's no, there's no reason. The season's over. Our good pal, Jake sent me a TikTok from a couple days ago, right after the game. It was two people trying to escape a killer in a movie. And the two people had Marvin Harrison Jr. And a Caleb Williams's name over them. And the killer had the Chicago Bears logo on their face. And he was like creeping on the cor- around the corner, like looking for them, ready to freaking snatch them. <laughs> and it was the, and it like Harrison Jr. and Caleb Williams were trying to escape the clutches of like the <laughs> evil Chicago Bears. Very, very funny. I was laughing so hard. I was like, this is actually true. Those two guys are probably like, how many all time great quarterbacks do the Bears have? Oh, zero. Oh, they never had a guy throw for over 3,000 yards or 3,500 or no. They've never had a guy throw for over 4,000 yards. Oh, bet. I don't want to go there. Oh, Mushin Muhammad called Chicago the place where quarter where wide receivers go to die. And they haven't had a top receiver. Every top receiver that went to Chicago since Mushin Muhammad said that turned out to like become a flop. We're talking Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey. Um, What's his name? Drawing a blank. Oh, uh, Allen Robinson. And now DJ Moore every now and then has a good game, but he mostly is underutilized as well. Marvin Harrison Jr. has got to be like, please don't draft me, Bears. <laughs> you know, my dad was a Super Bowl champion against you with the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. Like, you just can't. It's just so sad. You use right that now. to fuel your fire. Be like, I could be the first. I could That's be true. That guy. That's I could true. be. Caleb Williams could be that guy, and like everybody will be talking about him till he goes to the grave, and even beyond that, and like be that guy. 
Yeah. That you make a name for yourself. You don't want to follow in other greats' footsteps, right? Because everybody talks about them. We want to talk about Caleb Williams. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe. You think they get the first overall pick? Um, I think the Panthers might hand it to them. That's what I mean. Do you think yeah. either they get – so, yeah, yeah. you think they're going to – I do too. And I could see them being one and two. I don't really see them winning again. I don't either. Kind of sucks Maybe that they won again because it one or two more. Yeah, yeah, but they had the number one pick with three wins last year. You know, and I think the Giants won. Giants so got two wins, and now, so right? did the Pats. Yeah, so I mean, it it, it evens out, but yeah. I think it's like a guarantee. Carolina comes in last. Who are they going to beat? They they go to Miami this week. Yeah, they I might. Mean, get, they <laughs> might get like truly smoked. Like I I I don't know who they're going to beat. They might beat the Bears. But even that, I think the Bears are better than the. Yeah, Panthers. I think we root for the Bears in that game. You if, think? Yeah. Yeah. But don't you want to solidify? Like, That's why I'm saying we root for the Bears. Yeah, but if the Panthers lose, you solidify them getting the number one pick. That's what I want. Oh. We have their pick. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We root for the Bears. Yeah. 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 I thought you meant root for the Panthers. Oh, no. No, yeah, we root for the Bears. All right, Frank, really quick, your college football playoff top four. My getting, top four? close to the rankings. Halloween is the first ranking, so we'll be watching it together probably. Probably, yeah. I'll be by, yeah, my sister. Yep, I will. My, t- my top four? Well, first of all, the top four for those who's watching who don't know who the top four. One is Georgia, two is Michigan, three is Ohio State, and four is Florida State. I like the ranking except for one thing. I think say the only it. thing say I, it. <laughs> say it. I don't know if it's what you think, but I don't know. The only thing I don't like is Florida State at four. I don't know if that's what you're expecting me to say. Washington's five. So. You can't move them up. You can't move Washington up because you're twenty six you're twenty eight point favorites against home against a team that's one and six and you squeak out a win. Yeah, you you don't deserve to be number four. No, 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 no. I mean, there's red flags definitely all over that game. However, I think I'd put Oklahoma at four. Let's go. They they have the nice win over Texas. What big win does Florida have? Why is Florida number four? Like, Florida explain State? to me. Or, yeah, why is Florida State number four? Explain to me. They don't have a big win. Oh, we beat LSU, ranked team. Congrats. They're ranked 15. Oh, we beat Duke. They're ranked in the 20s. Congratulations. Oklahoma beat Texas, who is right under them still at seven. And Texas is better than LSU and Duke combined. And it's not even close. I think Oklahoma is being robbed right now. And I think if the college football gods don't hate us on that first ranking on Halloween, we'll get the justice we deserve. We'll see. The computers probably, because I know there are a lot of things that go into the AP poll. Um, I I don't understand. Style points, record, coach, quarterback, decision-making, all sorts of things go into it. Um, Michael Penix Jr. probably gets Washington the extra ring. Oh, and they got a great defense. Oh, yeah, I know. I would put Oklahoma fourth as well. That win over Texas, what a game that was, by the way. And it's like they're getting no credit. Did they yeah. move up? I don't even know if they moved up. I uh, think they, they were like six or seven. Or they, think, they moved two spots. Yeah, and Texas is right yeah, below boy. them at seven. Texas is right below them at seven. I would even put them ahead of Washington. Put them five for right now if the computer wants to do it. Washington didn't impress me last week. No, no, I agree. Washington has. Washington. I get heated when we talk about the college football 
stuff. Washington has Penix Jr. That will go into the consideration. Um, And then there's a team in the top 10 that is not in this ranking that I think you have to be worried about. Alabama. They looked shaky early. How many losses do they have, though? One. Oh, I thought they had two. Oh, they're seven and one, bro. They, if they find a way to win the SEC, if they upset Georgia, if they find a way, if they, Alabama's rest of their schedule, they got LSU this week. That's a quality win if they get it. Tough game. Yeah. Quality win there if they win. Kentucky the week after. They'll smoke Kentucky probably. Then they play Chattanooga, (laughs) which they will absolutely destroy. They'll win by 60. Chattanooga is my least favorite um, city to drive in in the it's in Tennessee country. Yeah, it's on the Tennessee Georgia border. Yeah. When you're driving through Tennessee, when you're driving through Chattanooga, you see a "Welcome to Georgia" and a "Welcome to Tennessee" sign on the same street, headed in the same direction. It's weird. If you look on a map, you could see exactly where it is. I thought that's where it was, right by Tennessee or in Tennessee. And... It's like right on the edge there, and it's like on the side of a mountain. So, like, <laughs> if you veer too far to the left, you're going over. See ya. Um, there's <laughs> See ya. There, there are signs that say "Watch for falling rock or boulders." Oh my god! Like you could get a big boulder just land on your car while you're driving. Dead. Pro- probably dead. Like right. it's a scary place to drive through, but you kind of have to to drive to Atlanta. From like Illinois or yeah. Tennessee, um, but yeah, don't drive through Chattanooga unless you know you kind of have to. Um, but then they got Auburn to close the season, the Iron Bowl, and then we'll see if they can have a good matchup against Georgia in the SEC title game. I do think Alabama's in the mix, but right now I would go um, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, um, Oklahoma. I think if they lose one more Alabama, then they're boned. Yes, of course. They'd have to win out to have a chance. But, yeah, I could see Alabama. You know, the the AP polls or whoever, the committee, they they love Alabama. So I wouldn't put anything past them. You know how we feel about their their rankings. Yeah, they stink. But I do think if Alabama wins the SEC and they're like 11-1 and one or whatever, I think if they If they beat Georgia, it. yeah, then yeah. Yeah. But, but they're, they see. won't get in any other way. They have to run the table and win the SEC title. Yeah. Um, but like the rest of the teams, the only other one loss team that I don't think is cooked is I think Texas has a chance still. If they win the Big 12, I think they'll they be need in the, next. To win the Big 12 and go undefeated the rest of the way. And they need Oklahoma to probably lose. Um, and then Oregon, they probably have a chance too, I think. But Penn State's toast, Oregon State's toast, Ole Miss is probably toast. Um, I yeah. think Oklahoma is going to be my Cincinnati this year. That's who I'm going to pull for. Hell I yeah. feel like they've been robbed. They're not getting the credit, so I'm going to root for Oklahoma as of right now. Yeah, it's true. I, I think uh, I think there's a lot of recency bias, too. Every time Oklahoma makes the playoffs, they're always this team with like a high-flying offense and a shit defense, and then they make it to the playoffs and lose by 40 to either Alabama, Georgia, or Clemson. And, you know, it's kind of like Notre Dame. Every time they get in the playoffs, too, they get smoked in the first game. Every time. It's like, what's the point of putting them in if they're just going to get smoked every time? I hear you. But, you know, I think this Oklahoma team is a tad bit different. Hopefully. Um, we'll see what happens. But, Frank, 
moving over to baseball. Oh, uh, give me your little rant. Oh, first of all, let me finish this thing on the Detroit Lions. They got killed by the Ravens, right? Mm-hmm. In Lamar Jackson's career for the Ravens, he is 15-1 and one against the NFC. Wow. And the reason that is, I think, is because they – Lamar Jackson is the most unique quarterback in the NFL, and no NFC team knows how to play him. The Steelers, they've played him three or four times now. Yeah. Or more than that. They played him seven, eight, nine times now. The Browns, they played him seven, eight, nine times. They know what to expect. None of these teams in the NFC have seen Lamar Jackson on the other side of the field. You can watch as much tape as you want. Nothing's like playing against him. He dominates every every time he plays someone for the first time, he dummies them. That's and a crazy so stat. It happened with the Lions. He destroyed them. I think if the Lions played them again, they would know what to expect more. Not saying they wouldn't win. Not saying they the Ravens wouldn't win. But well, I, I also don't think the Ravens don't get enough credit either. Um, if this from us they do. If this upcoming week goes a certain way, they'll be number one on my list. Yeah, they very well they could be. Really, really would. We'll them, see. them, the Chiefs and Spoilers. the Jaguars. Spoilers! We got a whole week. Anything can happen. <laughs> the, the them, the, the Bills would be on my list still, I think, but maybe. VP, they're they're pissing me off right now. Yeah, we'll see how they play tomorrow against the uh, Bucks. That'll determine really whether or not they make my list. Um, but yeah, and then was there one more thing you wanted to add? Talk about the Bills or what? Yes, what? It, it was embarrassing. I didn't like the way they played. I, the Patriots were shut out two weeks in a row. I think which is always scary, right? Am I right? It doesn't sound right, but I think they were. I know for sure one, but I think they were shut out two weeks in a row, which then it's like you're, the oil tank's ready to explode. And I, it's just the thing about the Bills is the strongest aspect of their game is their defense. We didn't see that, and that was a little scary, and then they ended up losing. And I'm sad because I like Josh Allen. I like the Bills. I want to see him do great, but. Now my mentality is you're not you're probably not going to win the division unless you really turn things around here. But you, you never know, I guess. But that performance they really should be ashamed of. But I think what you focus on the most at this point is just getting to the playoffs and anything can happen. I do think a Josh Allen team in the playoffs could be a lot different, right? We see that with plenty of other teams. So I'm not out on the Bills. They need they're far from perfect. They need to get their shit together. And a big statement win this week would be nice, but I don't even know if that's going to happen. So we'll see. That's very true. Um, Frank, yes or no, the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to stand by my take. Yep, they're going to win it all. Oh, yeah, let's go Bills. No yeah. one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills. I'm, I'm too deep. I, I'm too deep. I mean, I can't go back. No, absolutely. Because they're still a good team. So if they made it that far and I turned the other way, I wouldn't live with myself. Absolutely. Um, and then, like, if they don't win, I make fun of you for one yeah, show. And then like, over we, we get over it. We move on. Yeah. Um, and then we'll start previewing the NFL draft. Talk about Marvin Harrison Jr. and Caleb Williams and shit. Um, Frank, the World Series is set. Your Houston Astros were defeated in Game 7 by the Texas Rangers. Thank goodness. Um, and then the Philadelphia Phillies were stunningly defeated in Game 7 by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Little thoughts on the World Series? I'll let you give yours. I'll give mine tomorrow. Both teams choked a two-game lead. Or 
uh, a three to two lead. They yep. lost two in a row. Um, stunning to be honest that both teams did it because those were the two teams with the most experience up to this point. I thought maybe we're having a repeat of last year's World Series. Um, good for the Astros. I almost threw a party when they lost. I was so happy. Screw the Astros. They got dominated too. You love to see it. Puts a smile on my face. Pissing off Adolis Garcia was a weird oh. move by them. Oh. Man, was that a weird move it, by them. It felt so good. Uh, I was kind of rooting for the Phillies, though. A little sad about that. Um, got nothing against the Phillies. Got nothing against the Diamondbacks. Good for the Diamondbacks. Uh, getting it done. I am, I believe I'm rooting for the Rangers to win the World Series. Um, I like Marcus Semien. Um, Adolis Garcia, I like him as well. I like Corey Seager. There's a lot of guys on the team I like. I do think they're the more dominant team. I, I think this Arizona Diamondbacks team has a lot to learn still. They're very young. Corbin Carroll's got a lot of growing to do. Um, their pitching's a little on the younger side. Zach Gallen's great veteran, but this other guy fought a young pitcher for the Diamondbacks. He's got a lot of molding to do. So I do think the Rangers do have that edge, but what we've seen so far is it doesn't matter who has the edge. Anything can happen. I'm excited for the world series. It's fresh. We have a fresh world series. How often do the Diamondbacks and Rangers make it to the world series? Never really. So there you go. It's been decades since the Rangers have and, Oh, one and 11. Right. So there we go. Very fresh. I like it. I'm ready for a change of pace. Let's get it on, baby. I'm excited. Absolutely. I can't wait as well. Um, it'll be a fresh World Series champion for all baseball fans, I think. Um, I thought the Astros were going to win it when they were down 0-2. I thought they'd come back and win it. They almost did. Um, I wouldn't say I was rooting for it. I want the Astros to lose. I'm not a weirdo. Um, but and uh, the, I looked at game seven yesterday as, oh, if the Diamondbacks make it, it'll be cool to have a new team. And then I was like, oh, if the Phillies win, I don't hate watching more Kyle Schwarber, Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler. Like that was more of a star studded cast where like, yeah. it's always fun to watch, but I kind of also like the grit and the, um, the grit and determination of, um, the Diamondbacks and, What's his name? Alec. Oh, now I'm drawing a blank on his name. Alec something. Alec, Tom Alec, Alec Thomas. Alec Thomas. He's from Naperville. So he went to Naperville North, I want to say. Not too far from where we live, Frank. So if he's he wins the World too, Series. Right? Yeah, he's youngish he too. traded there. Uh, I, or did he come up? I think he came up. Um, but yeah. Really cool to see. And they have a really good farm system too. They have Andrew Jones's kid, Drew Jones, as their number two prospect, and he's unreal. Can't wait to watch them. They're only going to be get better and better. Like they only had 84 wins. They weren't even like that dominant. And I said on Crosstown Crosstalk, those who listen to that show could back me up. I said if the Cubs get in, they any team from the National League can win the pennant. Any team. And lo and behold, it was the team that took the Cubs spot. They almost didn't make the playoffs, the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Yeah. If the Cubs got in, the Diamondbacks would not have. Oh, right. So any team this year I felt could come out of the National League. That's why I was like, man, the Cubs are really going to fumble the bag here. Like they could have made the World Series. Like there's no reason, you know, the Cubs are a young scrappy team just like Arizona. A little more veteran latent with Swanson and Bellinger and guys who have been there, done that. That's Swan the perfect way to describe it. Scrappy. Yeah. Yep. So make sure you tune in tomorrow to Crosstown Crosstalk. I have something big to promote here. Tomorrow on Crosstown Crosstalk, Chicago Cubs pitcher Jordan Wicks is joining the program. 
And the reason I wanted to have Wicks, well, for one, he's a Major League Baseball player. That's cool. He's also becoming a huge hockey fan. He's a brand-new Blackhawks fan, falling for the Connor Bedard hype. He admits that he's new. He admits that he's fallen for the hype of good old number 98. And we're going to talk about pitching for the Chicago Cubs. And we're going to talk about watching Connor Bedard. I'm going to ask him what his favorite kind of pizza is. Of course, we're going to talk about all those great things. I'm so looking forward to it. So make sure you tune in tomorrow on Crosstown Crosstalk with Chicago Cubs pitcher Jordan Wicks. That should be a lot of fun. Um, Frank, you looking forward to checking out this interview? I am. I I feel like he's a big deep dish guy. You think? I, I just he's gonna say deep dish, right? That's just the vibe I'm getting from him. Is Maybe. it the glass? Is it the glasses or just like skinny white dude? I just picture him like saying, "Oh, deep dish, like deep dish." Like when you yeah. ask him what's your favorite kind of pizza, we'll see if I'm right. I like Jordan Wicks. Um, yeah, he's great. Um, yeah. By the way, Travis says, thank you guys for getting me through the end of my work day. Now for the ride home with y'all. Thank you, Travis, for listening. We appreciate the kind words. And uh, that's why we do this show. Absolutely. I do it so I can hang out with Frank and so I can bring entertainment to uh, people. What's your favorite place in Chi-Town for pizza? Frank, I'll let you that, lead that, that off. Like in Chicago? I can't. Well, I don't know about. I, don't I, I, think, of... I think you can pick anywhere like. You know, which Local. are really here. I'll give you. I'm not gonna go with the chalk or like what everybody expects in Chicago. You I'm should go... try Giordano's and Lou Malnati's yeah, right. for the tour. It's like getting Hattie B's right. in Nashville, but you also got to go to Prince's. I'm That's gonna, like a good one. I'm going off the rails. A pizza I've just discovered within the past year, two years. Very good. They've been around a while. Apparently, they were like a Chicago like thing. Like everybody loved it. I'm going Nancy's Pizza, Vin. I don't know if you've ever had I've Nancy's. Had Nancy's pizza. Yep. It's it's fantastic. Yep. It's not the chalk answer. It's deep dish. You could get thin crust, I'm pretty sure, but it's stuffed. It's a stuffed pizza. That's what they're famous for. If you're in the Chicagoland area and you want to try Nancy's, I highly recommend it. And it's not as great, but it's very good. Very similar. You could get a Nancy's frozen pizza from your local Jewel. Very good. I like it. That's what I would recommend. VP, how about you? Yeah, my girl Nancy makes a good pie. Travis brings up Pequod's. I think Pequod's is the best deep dish pizza in Illinois. Wow. It's, I've never heard of it. It's 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 a better Lou Malnati's or Giordano's. And I am not a Lou Malnati's or Giordano's hater. I think if you're a tourist, you should go to those places. I love both of them. I truly do. I'm not a pizza hater. I love all pizza. But Pequod's is unbelievable. Their sauce is magnificent. That's my favorite if I'm looking for deep dish. Uh, my favorite pizza place in Illinois is still Villanopoly. It's in Norwich, Illinois. That. It's or in Norwich, Illinois. V&V is very good, too, in Bartlett. <laughs> I knew you were going to say one of the two. V&V is outstanding. Um, there's White Cottage and Elgin's delicious, too. That is fantastic. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, very, very good pizza. Um, but, yes, I I think Villanopoly is absolutely unbelievable frank you've never been to pequods i've never heard of pequods where can i get pequods there's two locations there's one in the suburbs i forget what town the one in the suburbs is in and there's one in the city katie and i'll take you to pequods i want to go to Pequods. we'll go to pequods very deep dish i love thick pizza more than we, katie and i will take you to pequods it'll be my treat to take you to pequods I want to take you to Nancy's. You've had I, Nancy's, but you, have you been there? You can't. I, really I don't eat think there. I've ever. I don't. I don't know. You, I mean, you can't. I really think eat. it was always at home because that was like a go-to one when we lived in Hanover Park. Yeah, 
Um, but yeah, I, I Villanopoly is my favorite for thin crust uh, tavern style Chicago, and then um, yeah, Pequods for deep dish. Absolutely. Um, I I think I'm trying to think of what my favorite place in New York was. It's definitely I've, I'm drawing a blank on what it was called. It was right outside Madison Square Garden. That and then I had and then Joe's Pizza, the one in Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a sign in there as seen in Spider Man when Peter gets fired because he didn't deliver the pizza and Joe's 29 minute guarantee. Um, that place was unreal too, amongst my favorite. Um, but yeah, Chicago, New York, they all make good pizza. Um, Frank, you got anything else left on the baseball slash pizza conversation? I, I actually have a little bit of breaking news that we didn't touch on. Um, I think it's only fair to touch on. No, you won't see it. It's from yesterday. But because we mentioned it last week, I want to bring attention to it. Um, the NHL reversed the ban on the use of pride tape. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, that was my favorite story last week. And I just realized that now. I'm getting the word on that now from yesterday about it happened yesterday. Uh, I like that. Uh, they, they made the right decision. They knew how big much of an idiot they were and how big of idiots they were. And they reversed the decision. I don't even know why it was made in the first place, but um, I think it's only right that I bring that up. Cause I talked about it last week and the ban is no more. I think Travis Dermott uh, used it. Yes. And, and um, shout out to Travis Dermott. He did it before the ban was lifted. Yep. Yep. So Good. he he was ready to take a fine for, you know, the league being scared of a rainbow. So tough, tough look for some people. Happy that, you know, players are going to be able to express themselves. Um, and they banned the jerseys for all celebrations, the warmies. Mm-hmm. Well, tonight's Latino Heritage Day for the Devils. They mm-hmm. still made the jerseys. If they don't wear them during warmups, whatever, they're auctioning them off. So yeah. I don't think the pride jerseys are going anywhere. There will be a pride night, and they they, they won't wear the warmies, and they'll auction off the jerseys, and lots of money will be raised for good causes. And if you have a problem with that, get away from me. I don't know um, why you have to make these bands. Like. No, because, you know, we went from only catering to one side of the aisle for the longest time, and now we're only catering to the other side right now, like, everyone deserves the right to be a part of this and do what they got to do. So, um, yeah, it's more fun to talk about pizza and the game and allowing everybody to be included in these conversations, no matter what, um, your orientation is or the color of your skin or anything else like that. So this is a hockey podcast for everyone. Um, and we support that. So Frank, you know what else we support? What is that, VP? Making money green. No matter what, your money's green. Frankie's going to help you make you some green in America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets. Frank, the floor is yours. Let me get my graphics set up. There you go. How about the turnaround we had from one and three in the NFL to five, eight and five? We're on a seven to two run in the NFL. Our NFL picks have been hot. This week, VP, 
I got three picks. No, no, I got four picks. Four picks this week. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to get into it. Go right let's, ahead. Let's cut the shit and get right into it. First game, I like to dabble with football. You know that football's been hot. Seven and two run in the NFL um, since the start of the season. Buccaneers are at the Bills tomorrow. What I've noticed and what I've found to be working the best is I like to take the under for the first quarter. If it's at seven and a half, eight and a half, eight and a half, if it's right around there, you feel good about the defenses. I love taking the under. And I checked, and the un- over under is seven and a half for the first quarter for the Bills, Bucks at minus 125. Bucks got an okay defense. Bills defense should be good unless it turns out like it was last week. But nonetheless, I love the under uh, seven and a half for the first quarter. And I also, because I think the defenses will step up a bit, I like Tyler Bass over one and a half made field goals. So two field goals for Tyler Bass at plus 100. For the Tyler Bass field goals, I'd put a unit. For the under seven and a half for the first quarter, I'd put two units on that. And like I said, the biggest strength of the Buffalo Bills right now is their defense. Their defense is what keeps them in games. On the flip side, Buccaneers defense not that bad either. When you got two good defenses, I love taking the under 7.5 when the total is set on that. You have the freedom of giving up a touchdown and the bet still hitting. Also, I I don't think that there's going to be a lot of scoring touchdowns at free will in this game. I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities to kick field goals. I could be wrong. But there's definitely advantages of Bass kicking two field goals, like end of the half, trying to get points on the board before the half ends. And I could see the Bills doing that. They're one of those teams. Like, not every team could do that. You have to have an elite quarterback who feels comfortable driving down the field. And I think this game's going to play into that favor. So, the, my first two picks under seven and a half for the first quarter, minus 125 for two units, and Tyler Bass over one and a half field goals made at plus 100 for a unit. Next. You guys know if you've been watching the show for a while and following Breaking Bets, I got to touch hockey. We're a hockey show. There's only one game to touch tonight, but there was really nothing. I didn't want to take the Devils are probably going to win. Couldn't take them on the money line. I don't like taking a minus goal and a half either because, you know, that could get a little sketchy as well. It's the NHL. So I was scouring through props and stuff. The only thing I like on the hockey game tonight is there's nothing I loved was honestly the Capitals to score first at plus 135. I hate taking heavy favorites to score first. Like taking the Devils to score first is like minus one eighty. Like they haven't scored first yet. Oh, I didn't know that. But I just hate taking the heavy favorites to score first as it is because it is so fluky. So like anything can happen. Capital score first and the Devils win six to one. Like that's just how it works. And I I would never take heavy favorites to score the first goal because it's like heads or tails. Really, I I truly believe that. And to be honest, the Devils' goaltending hasn't been great that year. this year. They're giving up over three goals against per game. It's not great. It's not bad, but I could see the Capitals scoring the first goal of the game and then the Devils scoring five unanswered. So a unit on that, I would put one unit on that, plus 135. Plus 135 for the first goal is just ridiculous because they are clearly capable. If Ovechkin just gets that one shot where it goes in or, you know, just something weird or Backstrom, gets a tip or something weird happens, a weird bounce. I like the Capitals to score first. Plus one in 35, one unit. Leads me to my last pick. Got to give some college football love here. We did some college football talk on the show. Want to give some love there. Not great games tonight. We got UTEP, who's two and six, going in to play Sam Houston at 0 and seven. 
stinky game. But funny enough, I got to watch both of these teams last week on Wednesday. I was keeping track of it um, on my phone. And UTEP, they they look terrible. They scored seven points at home. They lost to New, New uh, they lost to New Mexico State, who are not able to move the ball at all. They, they I mean, they look terrible. I mean, it just was a mess. Like, who's New Mexico State? They're not this powerhouse, and you only score seven at home to freaking New Mexico State. And on the other hand, Sam Houston's zero and seven, but they look great against FIU. They ultimately lost in double OT. I think Sam Houston covers and gets their first win tonight of the season. They're minus three. I would take the minus three. I'm taking a team that's 0-7 minus three for two units at minus 118. I think they get it done. UTEP looks like ass, and I don't think they're going to be any better on the road than they were at home last week. So those are my four picks for you, and uh, let, let's continue our run. Let's make that money. Here comes the money for Frankie and all the people that back his bets. Yeah. Here comes the money. Hell yeah, Frank. Good shit. You see what Travis said? He said that's by far the best cutscene on the barroom, and there's a lot of good ones. Yeah, that was also oh, Aldo Gandia. He has the great skill to put things together. That's one of the few smart things I've ever come up with. I was like, why don't we have the Breaking Bets theme be Breaking Bads? Because Joey and I talked, we had a segment where we talked Breaking Bad. Like, Every third period, we just touched on what we were watching most that recently. Was before I was on, yeah, right? it was before, yeah. And then we were like, when we talk about betting, like breaking bets, oh, and like let's have a periodic table with all 32 teams, or maybe it was 31. I, I don't even know if Seattle's on that. I have no yeah. idea. Now I'm gonna look for it next week. I think they are. My goal is to find no, they're, they're on. They're they, on they are, I'm pretty sure. We'll look next week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Frank, that's a great show. What a great show. And that's our show. I hope everybody enjoyed watching today. We had a lot of good content brought to the table. We ranked the top 10 teams in the NHL. My list is way better than Frankie's. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's kind of where the joke comes in. And we talked about the Frozen Frenzy. The Frozen Frenzy, you know, swept the NHL uh, yesterday, and everyone's talking about it. Make sure you go to puckpros.com to talk about it all the time. Um, we're going to be going hard at the NHL over the next handful of games. There's 11 games tomorrow again. And then Ooh. there's six on Friday, which is a lot for a Friday. There's nine on Saturday. There's four on Sunday. There's nine on Monday. On Halloween, the NHL app sucks, so it won't tell me how many there are on Halloween. Um, well, you could look. I, it's a little confusing. I think but... Halloween is light. Uh, yeah, because there's been no games on Halloween before. Um, but there's two. There's the Kings at the Maple Leafs and the Predators at the Canucks. Is Halloween not as prevalent trick-or-treating-wise in Canada? Because it's two Canadian teams I think hosting. it's usually Canadian teams on Halloween. Yeah. And I'm thinking back. Yeah, and on Thanksgiving is. hosting too. Yeah. American Thanksgiving. Yeah, because um, they have their own Thanksgiving. It already passed. We're already thankful in oh, Canada. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, it was early October. I thought, yeah, it makes sense. I thought it was in October, actually. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for what's coming up. Our next show, we're gonna know a lot more about the teams, even than we do right now. And that's gonna be the case about until Thanksgiving in America. And Frank, we're gonna go through the holidays together. I'm very excited for all of this. Um, it's gonna be a great time. We'll, we'll, maybe there'll be some shows where we, you know, have a little Thanksgiving fiesta with some guests. 
and whatnot. We actually haven't had a guest on since the season started, so I think something like that's going to have to change. I want to start hearing some. I think Dan Rice was our last guest, and he we're going to we're going to have to start hearing things from some other people's point of view. I want to start hearing. I need a Vegas person. You know, I want to talk about some Vegas. It'd be nice. Do you want a Buffalo person too? I would like to get a Buffalo person. Absolutely. So we'll kind of work on all that. I hope everybody knows that our best foot forward is always on this show. And tomorrow on Crosstown Crosstalk, you Cub fans, you're going to want to hear Jordan Wicks. This is going to be a great interview. I'm very excited to do it. It should be a lot of fun. And of course, the Let's Go Devils podcast. I will be doing the pregame show tonight. Um, just in about an hour from now. So I'm very much looking forward to that as we get you set for New Jersey Devils versus the Washington Capitals. It's the only game in town. There's no NFL. There's no MLB. You're watch- Oh, there's plenty of basketball. Make sure you watch some basketball. Oh, yeah. But the New Jersey Devils, they are the talk of the town in the NHL world, and they're one of the talks in the towns in the sports world, and I'm very, very excited for it. Frank, is there anything you have left to say before we get on out of here? Um, mm, I'm excited for the NBA. I'm excited to watch some more NBA games. Never used to be a fan of the NBA, but in the the most recent couple of few years, it's been a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. We kicked off yesterday. Now we'll have hockey going, basketball going, football going, World Series going. I'm excited. So, tune absolutely, in. absolutely. Um, and then next week, I need to hear about some video games. So I think there'll be a video game segment next week. I'm looking forward to. It's been a while. Um. Always, always lurking. Always there. there. Um, Frank, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. I enjoy you a lot. We will see you soon. Everybody in the chat, at home, listening on audio, thank you very much for all the support as always. And no matter what, stay hockey, stay family. Thank you for listening.